everyone, welcome to episode 560 of Conversation Street, Coronation Street podcast, <laughs> featuring me, Gemma. And me, Michael. Hello. Hello. We're talking about the episodes broadcast between the 23rd and the 26th of January 2023, episodes 10,858 to 10,863. Yes, welcome. we are. I agree. Welcome, everybody. You're absolutely right. Hello. Welcome. I've still got a bad voice. Just want to get that out there in case you hadn't noticed already. If you've been listening to our bonus podcast or our street talk shorts on YouTube this week, you'll notice I'm feeling a little croaky and it's still going. So, this is going to be one of those other podcasts where Gemma says, Shut up, Michael, but it's for my own good. So, that's you've her, been accused her medical of being uh, less advice annoying this week. While you're sick, but I think you're more annoying. <laughs> I'm not annoying at all. I might be a little bit coffee, I might be a little bit sniffly. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I think I think we can make it through this podcast today. But yeah, might be a short one. Well, that's all right. I tell you what, shut up, waffling then. Well, no, I, Gemma's oh, other strategy for making this a short podcast is we haven't had dinner yet, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna have our tea after we've recorded, aren't we? So if I'm feeling a bit hungry, then I'm just gonna just gonna let her carry on. But speaking of shorts as well, Gemma, can we just say? Yes. Yes, I just want to mention the shorts, YouTube shorts. This is me trying to promote us. You usually like that sort of thing. Thank you, everybody, who's been um, listening to our YouTube shorts over the last two weeks. I'm not going to mention this at the beginning of every podcast, but it's really been really, really nice seeing... um, Seeing people engaging with them and liking them and responding to them and everything, and some people saying, "Oh, every time an episode finishes now, I'm looking forward to coming on here and seeing what we think about it." It's been fun to do, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's quite it's really high pressure. I have to tell you, <laughs> like um, the list to the listeners, I have to tell you guys, like um, sometimes you say, "Oh, I, I agree with you. I think it was definitely bobbing as or oh, it was banging or whatever." It's really high pressure. I never know what I'm going to say. And sometimes what I say it even surprises myself. What, for your actual res- re- yeah. results at the end? I'm like, oh, it was banging. I, us- I don't know. Uh, yeah, I usually go into it knowing what score I'm going to give it. But it's really difficult still getting everything in there in the, in the 60 seconds. We, we've not managed any others like in one take. It's usually taken us two or three, isn't it, I think? But I'm, I'm really pleased with how they're, how they're going along. And, um, That's because we keep having disagreements about what the content should be. Should it be just a because factual about going, this is what happened? Oh, it needs to be more in opinions. Yeah, it does. Opinions. And I'm it like, totally yeah, but does. you need to say what happened. No, there's no time. I think I think we need some listeners to tell us this. What so, do you want? Do you want... The street Talk Shorts. Do you want us to do a quick recap about what happened? But or do you want to find is, out more about what we thought about don't, it? Don't they need to have something about what happened? Otherwise, you don't know what we're reacting to. And in, you know, like, in a hundred <laughs> years' time... When the, the historians are trying to put together the story of our lives, which is going to be really important, obviously, culturally, mm. as a couple, yeah. they, how are they going to know? They're well, going to have, it's going to be really difficult to piece it together. I thought you were going to say when the historians of the future are trying to piece together the story of conversa- of Coronation Street. No, and no, the, no, the no. only evidence they've got of what happened in yeah. Corrie, because all the tapes have been wiped, yeah. everything out, all there is, uh, 60 second reactions from us so for it's each possible episode. that might happen yeah well I'm going I'm to take the risk I, I prefer it to be more opinion so like we don't know what happened in Coronation Street 102 years ago today but we do know it was banging <laughs> yeah exactly that's <laughs> all we need to know um, yes anyways yeah, do, we're still trying to work do out keep what banging means supporting and liking and everything and, and, I, and I, I've do. been figuring out how to put a little, gra- a little put a little like and subscribe graphic at the beginning of it now I've like put YouTube, so much but. effort into to doing these I'm really really proud of him but what I'm not proud of him about is 
his inability to listen to my advice regarding the titles of videos. We are, this this is a hotly debated topic it's in our debated. house at the moment. What, you, Gemma, Gemma is very insistent. I said, I, said, I said, look, stop. You need to put more... Inf- you need to be more provocative and exciting. And, and you need to lure people in. You need to whet their appetites. You need to, like get them excited to, to want to click on the video. So, you know, you, you put something in that, that excites people. And then I look today, Arthur, Le, no, what was no, it? Leonard, Leonard Swindley character profile. But that's what it is. Nobody knows who that is. Nobody, yeah. you don't even have the word Coronation Street in the title. You know, if people don't know who Leonard Swindley is, then oh, I don't want them to listen to this video. I only oh, yeah, want well, people who know everything about him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've got 30, 30 views on that, haven't you? We, a few more than 30 views on it. I don't Nobody's know. going on to Google going, right, I'm just going to look up Leonard Swindley character profile. And if just I don't in get case. Immediately, the first hit, I'm just going to quit this. We're, st- we're still working out how to uh, to best. It's not It's not something you need to work out. It's, it's, what <laughs> do you think? Strategy. Oh my God, it really annoys me. It's like, what do you, what do you think? I don't have to be a sellout. Yes, you do. <laughs> it's not being a sellout anyway. You're just the most plainest, boringest <coughs> way of saying everything. Okay, this is Coronation. Sorry. This is Conversation Street, episode five hundred and sixty. What more do you need to know? <laughs> Sorry, do we need to have that having titles for our podcast? Yeah, we do. Now. We need something like Alia stabbed? Question <laughs> mark. Max arrested? Exclamation mark. Whatever, whatever. We'll, we'll, Max we'll carry this murdered. on off there. <laughs> David head swap. Gemma, do you do you have a coronation shoot quiz? For I do this week, and it's the most exciting. If you put any of these questions as YouTube um, video titles, they get ten thousand downloads, <laughs> and we get like three pound fifty for each of them. Okay, they were right. our, our best street talk short so far has earned us four cents. Like yep. on retirement, really here we come. For that. <laughs> right, go on, go on, go on. Uh, Quiz for things happen between the 23rd and the 27th of January in years ending in three and eight. And I got this from coronationstreet.fandom.com. The Coropedia. I know. 23rd of January 2013. What accident happens to Kirsty that leads to her accusing Tyrone of abuse and getting him arrested? Falling downstairs. Falling downstairs. 24th of Next. <laughs> Keeping it short. 24th of January, tell. 1983. Susie Birchall returns to Weatherfield, but in which year did she previously leave? Oh, I don't know. No, I know. This, this is a really difficult... 70. Six? No, 1979. Mm. This is such a hard quiz to do today. Is it not, not much happening? It was boring. Uh. 26th of January, 1983. Which disappointed person discovers that Deirdre and Mike were dating? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Emily. Yeah. Yeah, not Ken. No, no, he Ken was, was a bit more than disappointed. Yeah, he was a tad, wasn't he? Yeah. He, he, when he found out, he was also disappointed that he hadn't got that job he was going for. So I thought you were kind of leaning into that angle at first. He was already disappointed, and then he found yeah, out. No. Emily, oh. Emily's oh, got no. that little secret for a while, hasn't she? <laughs> 26th okay. of January, 1998. First appearance of which character? Hayley Cropper. I saw this one on Twitter this week. What was her original surname? Hayley Patterson. Correct. Yeah. This is the final question. 27th of January 2003. Who makes a moving speech at Maxine's funeral? Richard Hillman. Yeah, you got one wrong because it was a really hard quiz to... No, I got one wrong because I'm very, very intelligent. Dull. Right, birthday time. (laughs) 30th of January. Tony Maudsley plays George Shuttleworth. He does. Oliver Meller played Matt Carter. 
31st of January, Amelia Bullmore played Steph Barnes and Chris Gascoigne, who is Peter Barlow the Sixth. 1st of February, John Bowe played Dougie Ferguson. Lorna Laidlaw plays Aggie Bailey. And Linus Roach, who is Peter Barlow the Third. There you go. Fantastic. 2nd of February, Geoffrey Hughes played Eddie Yates and Caroline mm. O'Neill played Andrea Clayton. And 3rd of February, Doris Speed, who played Annie Walker. But how old is she? It's about to say, but what year? Every year it? we say, it's <laughs> a mystery how old Annie Doris Speed is. Happy birthday to all those people, especially the alive ones. And I think it's time to move on to Street Talk, yeah? Yeah, we should do that. Okay, welcome to this week's Street Talk, and um, I only got like five stories this week, and one of those was not very much, so we're going to be starting off with the um, the punch to de- death storyline to find out just how Stephen got away after um, sadly ending the life of poor Teddy with a, a piece of office equipment, and then we've got a return of the Max Streamism storyline, because uh, I can't be bothered to think of another storyline title for that one, that's going to keep on going. Next up, look who's stalking. Which Gemma quite appreciated earlier. She's smirking everybody. <laughs> That's the Daisy storyline. I know it was mostly about a mum more than the stalking, but I'm sticking with that one. And then, this is going to be a, well, a Scylla Chinchilla killer. Yeah. And if you were to listen to us a week ago before the character of Scylla the Chinchilla had even appeared, that could be, you know, you'd Shocking be thinking all sorts. But um, this is. told a, you to brace yourselves. I mean, it's been a very hard week, hasn't it, for everybody? They're, just, they're going for a murder a week. Murder. We, had, we had Teddy at the end of last week. We had. Uh, Scylla at the end of this week the chinchilla not the character and Arlia nearly who, cro- oh yeah Arlia nearly came a cropper so did it. Darian with his bad hands I mean blindly oh, no. dangerous streets dangerous streets I've just I mean, we called the Gemma storyline um, uh, what did we call it Geminder last week I'm just going to I'm just want to call it Gemma and Michael now as a tribute to us because they're the two main characters in it but there's also a bit of Chesburger in there as well wasn't there because um, newfound character lifelong dream alert Chesney's got ambition, and it's not selling dog collars on the market. So, um, in in the spirit of me not saying very much because of my sore throat this week, Gemma is going to take the lead and remind us what happened in the punch to death storyline. Over to you. Well, uh, this this was um, like I told you, this was going to happen. This was a what was it called? Anticlimax. Yes, it was. I told you it was going to be an anticlimax, and you it was did a not mega anticlimax me because we left. Um, Stephen at the end of last week with a bit of a dilemma <laughs> mm. as he uh, realised that his mum had driven his newly acquired corpse up to the Peak District Yeah, and uh, he didn't know what he was going to do about that because old ladies get really freaked out when they find a dead body in the Yeah, see I was hoping box. for you know a bit of location filming in the Peak District big old Audrey, Audrey storyline you never know is Bev going to make a return we got none of that it, I was like I, I called on, on the Street Talk short story um, episode for, for this episode I gave it a bobbins but I think a lot of the bobbins does come from my raised expectations that it was going to go a different way than this did. I thought the bobbins was just the roof box bobbing up and down in the canal. <laughs> no, now, no. I, really, just, I, I was really hoping and expecting more. The smart thing, Stephen, here, was not following her up to the Peak District because if he had disposed of Teddy up there, it would have been easier to link him to the fact that the body was found near his mum's friend's house. Yes. If he, because he's dumped him in the canal near Weatherfield, it could have been anybody that, that Teddy knew. That is very, very true. But I bet yeah. he wasn't thinking of that, was he? I don't think he was thinking at all, really. I mean, he's got a perfectly good... You know, he's starting his own uh, 
um, graveyard, isn't he? Over at wherever Theo is. I can't remember which serial killer it was. I think it might have been Ed Gein, but I can't remember. He said, the only thing I'm guilty of is having an unlicensed graveyard in my home. Which, I suppose, um, you know... You know, it's difficult to defend, isn't it? If you're going to get caught, if one of the bodies is going to be found, maybe it's better that they don't find the other bodies at the same time, so scatter them around scatter a bit. Them. You might just be charged with one murder rather than multiple, I suppose. Yeah. Uh. This was Serial Killer Tips with Michael and Gemma. Tune yeah. in next week where we'll be telling you how to get away with uh, fraud. <laughs> well, if, if that if Peanut the dog um, does sets his sights on any other family pets, then uh, we'll have to make sure that they're buried elsewhere as well. Yeah. Red Wreck maybe um, in one of Sally's hanging baskets next time. I think it's called Red Wreck because it's red with blood. Oh, yeah. No, I think it actually is. I think it is. Because of the uh, Civil War battle. Yeah, I think so. I I can't remember whether that was uncovered. How amazing. I don't know whether that was uncovered as part of the um, Emily Up the Tree storyline when they were protecting it or whether it was, yeah, the Civil War reenactment with Fred Elliott and uh, and Roy back when they had the golden, um, was it golden anniversary? No, Jubilee, wasn't it? They did that. And I'm pretty sure that that was the... The reason why, why, yeah, when when they decided that, I don't know. And I don't know if it's obvious to people that aren't from the UK. But REC stands for Recreation Ground. Yes. Which might not, I've just realised, be obvious to people. It go. took me a very long time. We're back when I, you know, in my village when I was growing up. We'll talk about what happened in the story soon, everybody, I promise. Uh, we had, um, we got a park. Yes. Um, in, in my village, my yes. growing up village. And my dad always used to call it the wreck and I didn't understand why. <laughs> and it was like years, literally, you years and years like and a, years. You think I, it was a wrecked ship there? Well, I didn't something. know. I thought, why are you calling it a wreck? What's well, a wreck? It's, it's not that bad a state, you know? Yeah. It took me How you know, funny. 10 years probably to know that that's what it was. Our local playing field was called the Veracity, which doesn't make any sense. That sounds very posh for the type of area it, that you yeah, grew up in, Yeah, it was not a posh area. <laughs> You're going down the Veracity after school. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Right, so I haven't even started, actually. Anyway, about that's what... everything that happened in that story. No. <laughs> right, go on. It's an On Monday, Nick finds Stephen in the cafe, who is leaving a message for... Audrey saying, when are you coming back? I need to borrow the car. Don't look in the roof box. (laughs) (laughs) And Nick says, oh yeah, she's, she's heading back now, but, but she's had a flat tire on, on the car. Um, so he goes back to the scene of the crime, which is the factory. And, uh, Audrey comes in to see him and gives him the keys and says, you know what? That bloody roof box has caused the, the the tire to go flat. It's because of all the weight in the in the roof box. And he says, "Oh, I'm sorry, mum. It's all the sewing machines." Why is he maintaining this weird lie that there were sewing machines? So there? you think he should fess up that it was actually a body? I mean, eventually Carla's going to find out, and she's going to go. Where, where, why? What you... sewing machines are these then, exactly. Stephen? Surely that's got that's, to come out. That's dumb. What? I mean, Michael, can I just point out this guy's homeless? Could it not be his things? Yeah, yeah, very good point. Um, I've all, I mean, also. The thing I didn't get was, why was this roof rack, why would that cause a tyre to blow out? Because isn't that just the same as putting a a passenger or just dead body in like the passenger seat or the back seat of the car and the I, thing? I don't think that um, she was just moaning and blaming him for something that wasn't actually his fault. Oh, maybe. So I think she's got to watch her back now. Well, I think a few people have got targets on their backs actually yeah. now. Watch it, Carla. So Stephen heads outside and he is intercepted by Sarah who's wittering on about something. And she's like... Um, was the CCTV on yesterday because I was worried that Michael and I are going to be on it because we were in the factory stealing labels. 
And he's like, oh my God, CCTV, what do you mean? And she says, look, Uncle Stephen, delete it all because I don't want to get in trouble. And she gives him instructions. How bloody convenient. This makes me wonder Mm. when all this comes out in the wash, is he even going to get pinned for Teddy's murder or is it just going to, are we just going to forget that it happened? Because I'm sure a few people in Corrie have got away with murdering somebody insignificant because it just never came up. <laughs> I think it was, I think the whole stuff with Sarah and Michael and Carla not wanting her to be there, I, I thought that was a fairly um, weak reason that things were coming out no, and people I, were that being was suspicious fine. and like does anybody really care about Sarah and Michael's business if I was I Carla would. I'd say come into my factory you've got no idea what you're doing I mean no I wouldn't want them to come in and steal my things I just it just feels like it's you know no it, I think it's, it's fine mega insignificant no, carry on right so he heads inside he views the footage he's like oh god he can see himself murdering Teddy he deletes it and Carla comes in such a terrible performance let's get rid of it. no that. and he's acting very shifty and he's like, oh, I'm on a coffee break. And she says, I know what you're doing. You're getting rid of the evidence. Dot, dot, dot. Advert break. This was one thing that I could not stand on Monday's episode. And I know why you have to do it. And I know it's for the advert breaks and everything. But it felt like every flipping advert break, or even at the end of every scene, someone seemed to come in and tell Stephen, I know what you're doing. Or... You know, yes. and and he's like, oh, what, you you know that there's a body in my... Of course, uh, nobody's going to know there's a body in your roof box there. They wouldn't come in kind of with a smile on their also face or whatever Also, wouldn't do it on a Monday, off, Monday halfway through the episode. No, it's, they just kept on using it. I mean, it was similar with Jenny last week, I think on Friday, wasn't it? When she was like, yeah, I, I, I know why you're being suspicious. It's because no. of the sewing machine. Did you say something about, I know what you've got in that roof box? Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, it was... Uh, See, but the thing is, Michael, this is all playing into the campiness of this of this um, storyline. And I saw quite a lot of people on Twitter, um, because I like to talk to myself by reading all the horrible comments that people write about Coronation Street. And um, it's really surprising to me how many people are saying, oh, I'm just giving up trying to um, moan about the Stephen storyline. I'm just embracing it as stupid and camp and I'm quite enjoying it now. I'm thinking... I've been doing this the whole time. What part of this storyline did you think was serious? Yeah, we got, we got some similar um, feedback later on this episode oh, along really? those lines. So, I, I mean, I was I got... really surprised because I've always found. I mean, he is. It, there's a there's a mixture of sinister and camp, but I don't. I've never taken this particularly seriously. I... Hence the fact we've always done the silly accents for him. I know. I know we did with that, and I know that you know make fun of all that, like with the, the factory workers making fun of his voice and everything like that. But I I'm not sure that. It, they've been consistent with the tone of it because no, honestly, when you, yeah. when Leo copped it, that was proper sinister. Yeah, it was. I don't think there was an ounce of campness in that, that intentional. Um, it was. But it's it spiraled was, out of control. It really has. Since. That scene where he's dragging the body that was a brilliant scene. I loved it. And the shots of St- of Leo with blood coming out his ear and everything, and the tension the next day when the police are coming round. That was taken seriously, but it just seems to have devolved into farce. And I'm ha- perfectly happy if that's where they want to go with it. But I, d- I just wish that, you know, Curry has decided it's this or that because they keep no. flip-flopping a little bit. I understand what you're saying. And I definitely agree that I've always thought that, the, you know, the initial murder was definitely very um, dark. 
But Corey's done this before with other people. There have been, there were parts of the John Stapes storyline that are actually oh, yeah, pretty I sinister, know. but also ones parts that were really funny. Mm, that's true. That's Unintentionally. true. I think I think you know that with the last serial killing storyline on Coronation Street probably still being fairly fresh in people's minds with Pat Phelan. That was dark all the way, wasn't it? Yeah, but I don't want another Pat Phelan one necessarily. I want I don't want a repeat or an echo mm. of something they've already done. I want something different. So yeah, I'm you... really loving this. I, I don't I, I'm I, I'm I'm, I'm undecided still. Really? Yeah, I, I, I sometimes I like it and it depends what mood I'm in really. Like with Monday, as I said that was a Bobbins episode on the shorts and, and I stand by but that. That's I was just watching... annoyed that you I, I was annoyed that my idea and my hopes didn't come through, but it was kind of like a oh are people gonna find out about it? Oh are they gonna look in the roof box? Oh no they're not and it I, the, the campness got on my nerves. But I think maybe the campness just got on my nerves because like you said I was I was hoping for something different so I don't know anyway let's 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 carry on what happened next because this is a mega advert break here so um it turns out that she's just uh, referring to the fact that she's found the label from Michael and Sarah's oh. line and uh she's like you let them in you let them use the premises uh, and he's like no I didn't and she doesn't believe him so she looks on the computer and she sees that the CCTV's gone for that day and he's like oh how would that have happened she doesn't believe him. And she's like, watch it, you. I've got I've got your card marked. He goes outside. He gets in the car, but it won't start. It's, bro- it's like Audrey's just broken it. What has she, this, this woman done? So she, she she brought it back to Weatherfield. Or she got, she got Kevin to come and tow it back. So I guess he, they hadn't gone that far. But it, there's no petrol in it. And that this was oh, another... Geez, oh, she is, but th- this was another idiot. thing where I was just going, oh, come on. Really? I know, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm not saying that's right, I'm just saying that's the mood I was in. I was like, really? There's no petrol? And it just so happens to have run out just while he's there? And oh, now Craig <laughs> comes along. It's well, like, he's trying to start the car and he's worse. freaking out. Craig comes along, knocks on the window, and uh, it's like, oh great, there's the police officer. Don't worry, he's incompetent, he'll never even realise there's been a murder, <laughs> even if he finds a body. Michael and David come over, and they're like, what's up everyone? And Craig says, let's all push the car. <laughs> And then David says, I want to use the car because I want to... Wood chippings. I want wood chippings from the Fresh Go sale. Was he trying to fill up the, the sink car or something? I don't know. I don't know that they ever made it clear why he wants the wood chippings. Is that I think a... he put them in the garden bed. Is that right? Is that We've okay? got wood chippings. Oh, we do actually, don't we? Yeah, yeah we're probably going to have to replace those I, do, I don't point. particularly see David as being very green-fingered, but... I think if you're not green-fingered, you buy wood chippings. So you don't have oh. to um, weed things. Oh, good point. So, um... They they start pushing the car and Dave, Stephen's freaking out. And then David's like, oh, no wonder it doesn't work. It doesn't have any petrol. Uh, give me the keys. I'll go get um, I'll go get some. Yeah, because he's got he happens to have a petrol canister in his house, and he's gonna go get some petrol. And I was just like, okay, oh, come on, right, come on. <laughs> Um, and Stephen's like, I you, need to go to a meeting. And he's like, right, take my car then, Stephen, Uncle Stephen, and you go to the meeting with my car, and I'll go to Fresco's and get the wood chippings and petrol. And he goes straight for the roof box, and Stephen's like, no, don't, don't look in there. I can't remember why, how he manages to convince him not to go in there. But it all gets very confusing, and eventually ends up with David's got Audrey's car, Stephen's got David's car, and <laughs> Stephen's oh, having a cry. It's all too much. I, I think, you know, there might have been some viewers that were echoing Stephen's reaction to what's going on How in that How can episode. you not love this? This is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's, on, it's more fun to kind of reflect back on it now, now the time well, has passed. Later on, 
isn't isn't the definition of humour um, chaos remembered in tranquility? I don't know. I'll have to check well, the I think it is. Yeah. Um, later on, Craig sees Stephen in Victoria Gardens, and he's like, "There was no meeting." Why? Why tell everyone? Why did he say that? Billy comes in and he's like, "Oh, what's Teddy up to?" <laughs> Stephen's like, oh, he's probably a character. <laughs> Sorry, that just really makes me laugh. Story. <laughs> Why would Good Billy care this crap? Why would Billy care at all where Teddy is? He doesn't. He, I wouldn't he's even know what his name was if I was, if I was Billy. Billy's like, oh, you're looking very troubled, my child. And Stephen's like, do you believe in hell? And he's like, look, if you've done something wrong, I'm a very good listener. Why don't you, I'll sit down and uh, why don't you tell me what's up? Ian, <laughs> Ian, if he's a good listener, did you send us a review on iTunes, Billy? Yeah. That's the way that you prove it. Five Steve, stars, please. I don't think Billy would appreciate our podcast. I don't think he's got a very good sense of humour. <laughs> Stephen doesn't want to open up, funnily enough. Um, Carla finds Sarah and Michael in the cafe and she's like, I know you've been using the factory without permission and and that you gave uh, Stephen the CCTV password to delete it. I'm, you're, you're taking advantage, you're tacky and you're shameful and I'm going to get you at some point. It's not over. <laughs> uh, Jenny finds Stephen next and she invites him for a coffee so he goes into the Rover's back room and uh, Sarah's trying to call him and uh, she leaves him a message going, Carla's on to us. She sees Jenny coming out of the shop and she tells her about Stephen being in the pub and um, getting <coughs> drunk and uh, the fact that Jenny thinks that Stephen needs to sober up a little bit and Sarah offers to come back to um, to talk to him. And then Jenny gets held up when they come back into the Rovers at the bar by Christina, who, who? is, who is Daisy's mum. mum. More so Sarah later. goes off into the back by herself and then there's another stupid cliffhanger where I think it's Sarah says, I think you better sit down. I can't, I can't remember. I've or written the quote here. I think you better sit down. Better I think sit it's down. him. I think he was in quite a confessional mood. Yeah, I think it he, was all, he, he, he kind of knew. Because at this point, you know, Stephen's got the car. There's a body in the roof box. They'd kept on banging on in that previous scene about, oh, what's in the roof box? Are these the key to the roof box? Gosh, this roof box is really heavy. So Stephen thinks, well, it's just a matter of time until the Rosas come, come and knock in. So he, I think he maybe wanted to confess to Billy before he had the chance I'm wondering whether Billy's going to play a part of this story now and that's and we had a little introduction to oh, it here but the may, same way may, that, that Imran played a part in uh, Emma and no, maybe not Faye. like that no I, I wonder whether Stephen is going to confess to Billy and like he's going to have to keep this secret that could be quite exciting um, maybe I don't think that that priest had to Vickers have to keep it Well, is it, I'm trying to think, because that would be quite similar. I can't remember what it was now, but when, when Sarah and Kylie had killed Callum and Sarah was was going a bit nutty because of it, didn't she? You can't say nutty. Because when she was um, having mental health problems because of it. Um, didn't she... She was Doesn't she confide in Billy? I don't think she told him the whole truth or anything, but I've got a feeling, I don't know. Well... Anyway, I, that's maybe what could happen in my Sarah's brain. wittering on about the factory using it without permission and she shouldn't have asked him to help her and he says David has found something in the car and Sarah says it's just the manual I can't remember what happened you've written here. this very strangely sorry anyway sorry. it turns out that the the shop ran out of wood, wood chipping so he never opened the roof box thank goodness for that so Stephen now has finally got access to the car everyone's left him alone 
Honestly, can you imagine how annoying it would be to have such a close-knit family when you're trying to do murders? <laughs> I could murder loads of people and nobody would find out for years. Yeah. So don't they really need, talk to anybody. They, they, they need... They need um, who would be the best person to carry a murderer on Coronation Street and nobody would find out about them? Who's the most isolated character? It's probably Kirk, because he's hardly in it. Yeah, maybe. Or like Ronnie Bailey, maybe. Yeah. In fact, any of the Baileys, they could get up to whatever criminal criminal acts they wanted and they never seemed to talk to anyone that isn't part of their family and nobody would ever find out. Dee Dee talks a lot of people. Oh, she does, doesn't she? Yeah. So, Stephen takes the car and he drives it. Where's the best place in Weatherfield to dump a corpse? Canal. Canal? There's, there's no website for Weatherfield Canal body dredgings, is there? That hasn't been part oh, of a story true. just a few yeah. years ago when they dug up, when they dredged up Kel's, Kel's body. Now, without wishing to be indelicate, the best thing to do here would have been to sort of stave his face in and take all his teeth. Do you reckon? Yeah, because... They would have done it on Happy Valley. They would have done, yeah. They would have had what's his face going in there with a pair of pliers. Tommy Lee Royce, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, if Sarah Lancashire can do it, I'm sure Stephen can. <laughs> so... He drives down to the canal and he puts some heavy things, maybe it's some leftover sewing machine, <laughs> puts it keep up the ruse. into the roof box and he pushes it into the water and it just starts floating. <laughs> this, this was the moment, I think, when it was like, okay, you do want us to find this funny because so much that's happened before, I was like... Is that intentionally funny or not? I, I'm not really sure. But he's just but... there. He's on the he's on the side of the canal and he's just panicking because this thing's bobbing about. It might as well have a flag on it going, search me for a corpse. <laughs> and um, the, the, this guy's walking his dog and Stephen's like, oh my gosh, and he starts throwing rocks at this thing <laughs> to try to make it sink. And luckily he manages to tip <coughs> it and... Um, it starts to glug and uh, bubble away and, and slowly lower in. This man, right, the, 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 the ludicrous part of this was the, the idea that this man wouldn't have reacted to Stephen throwing rocks at a glugging box. <laughs> well, and, and the fact that Stephen thought he was totally safe once the man was parallel to him and the box had disappeared under the water. Because up until that point, this dog guy was probably thinking, why is this scared businessman throwing rocks into the canal? Like, well, his life yeah. depends on he, it. He did look pretty panicked as he walked past him. I think, like, is this guy going to jump in or something? Well, yeah, I mean, what what would you think if you were him? Not a good... He's not going to be getting this Weatherfield Good Samaritan Award this year, I tell you, dog walker. Sorry, he's well, brought you off the list. I don't know whether this dog walker's ever going to appear again but he's he's very unsuspicious isn't he i think the dog walker was driving the car that pulled up next to uh imran and toya's crash probably <laughs> one of the same it's not my business it's none <laughs> of my business he's the he's like a southerner living living in the north because we mind our business down here we don't oh yeah we, we don't keep it nice, like, we never we never speak to each other we don't smile to each other we never talk to strangers yeah so he must be the only southerner in the north of England. He's like, nope, these northerners and their strange ways. I'm not going to ask any questions. I think if I was living in Weatherfield with their crime rate, I'd be keeping my head down as well. I suppose he's thinking it could be me next. Exactly. <laughs> On Wednesday, Stephen sees Elaine in the cafe and he says, oh, I'm so sorry I've neglected you. Um, I'll give you the payment I owe you. Um, it should be in your account. And... Maybe we should go for dinner sometime. He's getting all cocky now. He thinks he's got away with it, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, later on, he goes into the Rovers. And there we've got Christina there Hello. again. Daisy's mum. Oh, yeah. Flirting. Sorry, I didn't want to put that storyline first because this was Can kind I of a bit more important. Can I tell you what happened? Yes. She's trying to talk. She's trying to chat him up. 
and he's she's not impressed well hang on a minute it comes out that jenny's a husband stealer and i don't know who tells who what but um he he doesn't care about that he wants to tell jenny he wants to give her the alibi for why she's never going to hear from teddy again yes so he tells her actually i've heard from teddy and he's met up with leo they're both alive and she's like that's a strange turn of phrase no he doesn't say that he says they're both fine they're in canada and jenny's like oh that's brilliant i'll give him a call and he says that oh no 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 no. i've got bad news for you leo hates you Teddy hates you too now. They want a fresh start. They never want to speak to you again. Actually. Jenny's going to get a bit of a complex of this. And Jenny's trying not to cry here because, you know, she's got really close to Teddy and she was so worried about Leo. And now she thinks that both these men have like got together and chatted about her, chatting behind her back about how, how much of a slag she is. And now they both hate her. I, yeah. I mean, Jenny's a little bit gullible here, isn't she? I mean... Once somebody it. going over to Canada and then deciding they never want to talk to you again. And then somebody else coming and coming into the story and saying, oh, that's weird that my son's gone to Canada and never wants to talk to you again. I'm going to go to Canada. And he gets there and he's like, I'm never going to talk to you again. If I was Jenny, I'd be like, oh, d- I just want to confirm that for myself. It's a bit, it is a bit sinister and weird. It's like that story of the family who had a potato... Mm. Um, you don't know what I'm talking about. No, sorry, I've got no uh, idea. Yes, potato. Yeah, the family with the potato, I know it well, yeah. Infamous potato it, family. It's a really tragic story. It's a family who had a potato seller, and it, the potatoes... <laughs> <laughs> Is that somebody who sells potatoes, or somewhere where you put your potatoes? The potato basement. <laughs> so, um... The it's pota- about to be a good story. Can you, li- can you listen? Yes. The potatoes were giving off this noxious fume... <laughs> Shut up, it's that tragic. And one by one, they went down into the, the cellar to check to see what was... Well, one of them went down, and the other one was like, that's weird, where have they gone? Went down. Then the other one was like, that's weird, where have they gone? Went down. And one by one, they went down this cellar and were overcome by fumes and died. Oh, no. Because of the... the by potato fumes. Because of the way that the gas rose to a certain level, and when they walked down the, the staircase, they were immediately engulfed in this these fumes and they couldn't breathe and then they just collapsed and there's just like all of them downstairs so that's how I imagine Canada just one big corpse cellar <laughs> as people walk in and die well I hope somebody in Coronation Street is listening and steals that idea well, no, somebody... nobody has any cellars in Coronation Street so they can't really use it <gasps> snooker hall Mm. it's probably what happened Hello. well Jenny I think she just needs to stop poking her nose in with this because um, if she's just not careful it, she's going to be sent to Canada as well yeah so uh, Stephen's like why don't we have a drink and she's like no no, I don't want to have a relationship with you at the moment and I think he kind of brushes it off a little bit there um, later on um, Carla's Carla's a raging bitch all week for no particular reason and it really annoyed me she really really is they've given her menopause Carla no Michael don't be horrible um, she's just in a snitty mood and, and she's for some this also bothers me she's turned on Stephen immediately after getting her nose put out of joint about Sarah and Michael and fair enough he shouldn't have done that behind her back but I thought he was supposed to save the business because last you know at Christmas when she was drunk in the pub trying to do her spreadsheets and he came and saved saved her bacon by telling her that she had the wrong 
mm. things in the fit. You know, she suddenly she thought he was the geni- business genius to end all business geniuses, and it, she needed him on board to help his, her business. And now she's treating him like um, a scumbag skivvy. Maybe she's just found the Excel help function, and she's realised that she could do it herself. Like, little, I don't need you. There's a paper. Clip yeah, the little paper here clips exactly. appeared in the top corner of the screen, saying it sounds like you're I've trying to. I replaced you with a piece of stationery, Stephen. I don't need your help anymore. It sounds like, like you're trying oh. to sell knickers. Do you want me to help you with that? Anyway, she is ordering Stephen to do some packing with Kirk, and he's not happy about this. And then this guy comes in, Dick Havisham. <laughs> <laughs> he comes into the factory. He's be so puerile. And he's why would you? I don't understand. I I don't know if anyone's listening who is just called Dick voluntarily, but I don't understand why you would do that to yourself when you don't have to be called that, do you? That is the best. <laughs> The best line in the Lego Batman movie, in my opinion. And I love the Lego Batman movie. And there aren't very many films that I watch again and again and again because I can't follow films. I'm useless. But the bit where Richard Grayson is there, the little orphan is following um, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He's like saying, Peter, yeah, my name's Dick Grayson, but all the other kids at the orphanage call me Dick. And Batman's like, kids could be so cruel. <laughs> Love it. Sorry, Andy, for any dicks listening. But I, I like this. Um, is that Havisham. I'm pretty sure that the Havisham's order. Yeah, the Havisham order's always late. So it was nice to finally put a name to the to the no a face to the name. I want to know what's happened to Mr. Hanlon though. Has he? Pro- he's probably been arrested for perving up the employees, hasn't he? Steve, it's been a few Stephen. years since we've seen Mr. Mr. Hanlon. Stephen rolled him into the canal. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't surprise me. So. Dick Stephen. Havisham, yeah, he's he's a, he's an old ex-business associate and um, general rag trade trader. He's not parish. an ex-anything, he's a current. Yeah, but I'm saying he used to work with Stephen. Yes, I'm going to explain that if you be quiet. Sorry. Stephen's, they're, they're old friends, yeah? Business friends. And he's business, he's my business friend and Dick's like, oh, hi. Hi, uh, Stephen, how's it going? He's like, oh, really great. I'm just working here as a business consultant. And Carla comes on and goes, you're not a business consultant. You're a junior management. He's not been here very long and he's got to do the packing. Come on, Dick, let's go into <laughs> and do this business deal. I don't know where Carla gets off putting somebody down in front of their friend. If I was Dick Havisham, <laughs> I would say, this woman's a raging monster. Why, why is she being mean to my friend? I know, she's a, she's an utter cowbag this week. She's vile, she, Carla is. I don't understand, it doesn't... This is the thing, right? Carla used to be rude and abrupt and abrasive to for the service of the business. She didn't care who she stepped on as long as she got the business done. This is kind of self-destructive and doesn't achieve anything. Mm. It's not how Carla used to be. No. She's just being mean for no I, reason. I do hope that there's a reason for this and I they kind of address it. Really I mean, we, we saw before Christmas, was it, that Peter's kind of being quite neglectful <laughs> in the in the relationship with him and Carla and she's, she's feeling a little bit... Um, little bit cast aside and now he's got his little obsession with the trading and the bartering which by the way what's going on with that I want to know whether he's got rid of that what is it he's got at the moment cheese grater is it he's on oh I think I think think he's on the cheese grater come on let's move so it could be to do with that I'd I'd quite like to see I don't know some scenes with Carla and Peter just back at their flat and Peter going What's up with you, girl? Why are you being a massive cowbag at the moment? And and just have a nice little character and opening up moments because Ali Ali King and Chris Gascoigne work so well together and and, and there's there's something going wrong with this character. Yeah, Carla says of Stephen, he's got he gets ideas above his station. Now if I'm if I'm Mr. Havisham, I'll call him, 
I would think, I actually know Stephen and I think he's a pretty good businessman. And the fact that she can't recognise this and she's trying to put him down when he's obviously also seen it, like, older than her yeah. is incredibly rude. And what she say about me behind my back? Yeah, very true. Anyway, Stephen's not impressed with this. Later on in the pub, Elaine sees Stephen there and says, oh, my house sale's gone through and I've got all the money. I'm, I'm loaded. Yes, Elaine is minted now. She's got tons of cash. Stephen sent her the money earlier today. She's got the house money. It all worked perfectly, just like we know every house sale does. Why don't you move out then? Let's go. What? Why don't you move out, Elaine? She is. She's moved. She's living with Stephen. Oh, move out of Sally and yeah. Tim's. Very good point. I wouldn't let some woman live in my house who had like half a million pound in the bank. She can go somewhere else. <laughs> so on Thursday, Carla tells Stephen that she's firing him because, because, because officially. He told Mr. Havisham that he was her business part- partner. What? That's not a fireable offence. Well, it's that and the CCTV. Well, why didn't she say it's because of you colluding with people behind my back? Oh, no, I think she maybe did say that as well. I've maybe just not written it down. I don't remember. But there's been various, various things that Stephen has done this week that she can't reconcile with, and now she's just going to have to sort out her own spreadsheets. I know, I know. She hasn't thought this through, and her top seller, Jacob, is gone. I know. So she's adrift now. Casting How's she gonna aside do all her yeah, top work business friends. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I need to speak to you. On, uh, honestly. Honestly, Carla. Honestly. He says, I need to speak honestly with you. So he says, um, Gabrielle ripped me off and uh, I got big money worries and it's uh, working in packing has bruised my ego. And uh, I don't know and what comes about of that. It. And she's like, I don't care. Anyway. I think she lets him stay. Yeah, she does, because Beth wants some help with something or well, other. No, it? they're talking, and then Beth comes in and says, oh no, the Havisham one is behind again. Well, we haven't got enough people on the sewing machines for some reason. And he says, I'll do it. I know how to sew. This is probably the first time anyone in management at that factory has ever known I how know, to make I'm something. To think that. I think Stephen should be in charge of the factories. <laughs> Forget Carla. She, does, she, wouldn't even, she doesn't even know how to on a sock probably no anyway so he all hands the machines and 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 he's they're going uh, hey everyone if we uh, uh if we get this order out i'll buy everyone around at, at the rovers and then they do and then he buys everyone around he's he's like proven himself to be a way better manager i know and all the and leader sean than, and, and beth and that are still making fun of him aren't they i know he's he's i in this scene i don't know what the scene was for but it, it really endeared him to me. It's like, he's burnt, murdered two people now, but he's actually a really nice boss. Well, the, the whole point of it was supposed <laughs> to be that, hey, Carla, look at me, I'm not a quitter. I, I can demean myself by sitting at the sewing machine. I Go on, give me another chance. Job. I really need this job. Yeah, because there are no other jobs going on the street. Why does he need to stay in Weatherfield now? He doesn't, does he? He just needs to keep an eye on the bodies. I don't know. In the pub later, Stephen is impressed by Jenny's ability to know which drinks everybody wants before they order them. Whenever I hear about stuff like this, like when you go to a restaurant or whatever, and you're like, all oh, the usual, please. It's like, it's supposed to sound cool and like comforting and stuff. It just sounds really deadly boring. <laughs> I can't imagine going somewhere and being just ordering the same thing every single time. It sounds boring. Yeah. So anyway. I, I do like to alternate between J2O and Lemonade. Well, yeah, exactly. And when we go to a restaurant, you always have the burger, don't you? Yes, I do sometimes. But you don't have it in the same restaurant? No, not the same burger. No, it's different. Mm. So they're all having their drinks when Elaine comes in and Stephen's like, come over to the booth. And Jenny feels left out. And Carla says, oh, you know what? You're not sacked for now. 
dot 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 that. that's the end that's the end yeah of the story. so um i i think once i got over my initial disappointment of this not living up to my expectations and hopes and desires and dreams in the slightest on monday oh my gosh you something to come down with something as well i'm getting Madonna. a runny nose oh dear um i i did quite like the end of the story Carla being a bitch I was just kind of glad to it gave me something some 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 fuel to my to my fire and everything I can't put my finger on well it's I mean what they're they're making tension between between Stephen and Carla but it seems to have come to a resolution it has for now but I mean when when Carla did um embarrass him basically in front of Mr Havisham and, and everyone it wasn't just him, you know. He, she, probably there are other factory workers. A Dirk was just lurking in the background. It's it's not on for her to have done that to him. And he's so, dumb, not deaf. Yeah. Um, so I, I I wonder whether that's the route they're going down now. Because everyone's saying, well, who's who's Stephen going to kill next? You know, the viewers are, not the, not the characters. <laughs> um, and like, it, I feel like fish in a barrel, don't you? Yeah, and, and that would be a bit of a twist if Gabrielle and Elaine both walk out of this unscathed and, and Carla's the one that he's going after. I don't think Carla... There is no way that Stephen that's... Reed will kill Carla Connor. Oh, but he might. But and I... that's what I said. Like, if to be a proper good serial killer, you've got to kill a main character. I know, but the thing... Okay, let me think about this. That would be a real departure from his previous MO, wouldn't it? Because he killed Leo by accident because they had an argument. Yeah. Then he killed Teddy because they were having an argument about um, him uncovering the fact he killed Leo. Yeah. Right? But just to kill someone because they're a bitch, that just seems rude. She's had it coming for all these years. I don't know. Well, listen, I don't know if anyone's new who's listening to this who's outraged at our casual slander of one of Coronation Street's most iconic female characters. I used to be a massive Carla fan, but she's gone off the boil. And I think that uh, she's really been treated badly by the writers for the past couple of years where they've just not really got what the thing <coughs> Carla is. She, she after, after she had that um, PTSD mm. um, from the roof collapsing and stuff, um, she 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 had a mental breakdown, and I... then she kind of became a bit more all hands off, and I, I'm just going to be re- relaxed and not be a factory person anymore. And now she's back in the factory. She's just been horrible. And it, the thing is about it is that I didn't mind when it was Sarah because I hate Sarah too. <laughs> when it's Stephen, no, I'm no, like, no, 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 stop no, being no, no. mean to Stephen. I didn't mind when it was Sarah, not because I hate Sarah and I love Sarah Louise. I, I mean, she's she's a legacy character. Oh, I, I've got a I special place hate... in my heart for Sarah. Well, yeah. But she deserves everything that Carla was throwing at her yeah. because she has no place in the management at that factory. No, she doesn't but know what she's doing. I, I don't think I really hate Carla being a cow because at oh, least it's given, showing no. that she's got a little bit of oomph to her and no. I'd rather that than just being a bit rubbish. And, no, and... but I need to explain. It's not that she's a cow. It's that she's a cow for no reason. No, no, I get that. I get that. But better to be a cow than a, for no reason than just being a bit of a bland so background she, character. you'd rather she had any personality at all? Yeah, I would. I, get, and... I see that, but I, I just think that it's missed the point of Carla as a character. It, it has. It, I'm, I'm not going to lie, but I mean, I, I you know, if, if, if she has a go at anybody, I'll kind of, kind of go, yeah, ha, ha, ha. But I, I know no. deep down that it's I'm just, I'm just baffled by it. Mm. Um, okay, right. Do you think, how long do you think it's going to be? This this roof box is not going to stay sunk, is it? What, well, clearly how? not. I mean, if you looked at it at the end of the episode, you could you could kind of see it there. 
I don't yeah. know how deep the Weatherfield Canal is supposed to be, but as it went under the water, if it was still there, surely he doesn't think this is a permanent solution. But it's not going to be like th- um, it's not going to be like uh, Pat where he had to go and move the bodies. Well, no, yeah, he when when Pat dumped Luke and, and Andy in the reservoir, it was at the old um, Legacy Reach, wasn't it? The paper mill, and as far as he knew, that's never going to be found again. And then you're right. Then he moved them, dumped them in cement. That's a good place to hide bodies. You don't think that that's ever going to come out again? But just in the canal, oh, I just get the feeling that. Bodies get dredged out of the canal as of, you know, everyday kind of occurrence there in Weatherfield. Maybe Stephen doesn't know this yet, but... Um, they they, yeah, they must unwise. dredge... Because it must get full of crap all the time, and they, you know, they have to... They use it, don't they? Well, Some of them are used for boats, not all of them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are probably just shopping trolley dumping grounds, but... <laughs> yeah, they do, they dredge them. That, that box is going to be found unless he moves it. He can't think you I'm off the hook why now, would you it? honestly I... think that that was a good place to put the bloody body and the trouble is about this is you know I said oh it, you know it's probably a good idea that he didn't dump it in the Peak District because if it was anywhere near um, uh, Bev's house then it would be linked to Audrey and then him mm. it's his roof box that he's buried him in yeah He the best thing to do would have been to take him out of the roof box and also Nobody, everyone was all about this yeah, roof box five minutes ago. Everyone was all about this roof box, right? And now suddenly nobody cares about it. Nobody's mentioned I it I don't since. think anybody asked on Friday, so where's your roof box then? They're going to ask him where his roof box is. Regarding whether there's a serial number, I don't know, but you you will be able to tell who it was manufactured by, and then you'd be able to tell who bought it, mm. and then you'd be able to say, well, this lady bought it, and she's... The, the mother yeah. of this guy. Yeah. Well, l- like the roof box itself, um, the, the storyline is not quite watertight. Well, but... the thing is, we get, I get, well, I particularly me, get bogged down in all these details and Coronation Street does not care. It's not a true crime television show. You're right. If they don't want it to be surfaced again, then it won't be. But, you know, we all know he's going to get found out eventually, isn't he? It's just a matter of how many when times and he how kills and, before. And, and, and the, who's going to get. The thing with these serial killers as well is usually when they get found out about one of them, they just kind of start singing like a canary, don't they? Like mm-hmm. when, when Gail found out about Richard, she was like, you know, within that the course of that one episode, she knew that he'd, he'd got rid of Dougie, he'd got rid of Patricia, he'd got rid of Maxine. And then we've got that infamous lighthouse scene with Fela when he's like, four victims or five or however many it is. And, and he just proudly lists them all. So is there going to be a scene where Stephen says, yes, I killed Leo and no. I killed Teddy too and also Carla. Or, <clears throat> and they just got to be no. found individually. And he goes, oh, yeah, that one's mine too, sorry. No, I think he'll panic. That was a good accent. Thanks. I think he'll panic because... He- He's really... He's got not got a cool head, Stephen has he? panic, what? He, he just doesn't know... He can't react to things that aren't... That aren't <coughs> unexpected. Like, when he got... When he fell off his bike. Hmm. All the all the lies he put together to explain that. He... I can't believe he's got as old as he is. And he, he's got no cool at all, has he? And yet and nobody so, seemed to notice or be suspicious. Well, everyone keeps going, what's up, buddy? What's up with you? And he's like, oh my God, I want to tell you everything, but I can't. Mm. Um, 
he's going to confess to somebody in a panic. Well, that's as I think maybe Billy. I don't, I don't see the point in having Billy in it for that scene if there's not more to it. Billy's got his own Maybe he's going to kill Billy. <sighs> kill Bill. Do you Part think he's going to kill? I don't Three think he's going to... I do think that we're supposed to worry that he wants to kill Carla. I think they're setting yeah, that does up the, uh, yeah, a conflict between Carla and Stephen where... Is there, will he kill Carla? Will he kill Jenny? No. No. But oh if, dear, it, if it Gabrielle is just said. Gabriella Elaine and that's it, I'd just be a little bit disappointed. Yeah, but that's your own fault for, for working know, it out. I know, I know. I, I build up these, these complicated pictures or outlandish theories about what would be exciting to happen, but, you know... It's it's got to have some grounding in reality, hasn't it, everybody? Yeah. Right, um, let's move on and do the Max Streamism storyline now. So um, this, this got quite good on Wednesday, didn't it? I know. It, 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 it slowed down a little bit, but um, yeah, this this really went up a gear. So um, Monday's Alia and Maria scenes were dull, and that was what kind of half contributed to the bobbins that I gave the episode. But they're just talking about the drop-in centre, and they're going to they're gonna have um, a little open day for it and everything, and uh, they're basically going to have an old do-goodery meeting there. And um, then we also have Blake. Now, Blake's one of the bullies that um, was... He well, pushed Max over and stole his crisps. He did, he did, we in the fresco car part, we did. Um, he, he's, he's been harassing him and haranguing him at the, um, on his way back from the Prue for, for months now, but... Now he thinks Max is great. Yeah, because he's been making brilliant videos. <coughs> I didn't buy this. It was a switch. There was literally nothing. The last time we saw Blake, he thought Max was scum of the earth. Now he's seen a few videos that Max has made, inciting terrorism, as the police are calling it, and he thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. Did you not think that that was a little bit no. jarring, that character switch? It depends on... on how primed he already was you know he's obviously also come from a troubled background similar to max and i think he probably realized that they had more in common than he realized it just felt like it was too fast for me okay i I didn't i didn't get it it was convenient that it happened for the story but no especially how it ended up with him saying oh max you're my inspiration Mm, anyway um so He's impressed by these videos that Max has made and then Gary comes into the, 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 the cafe and calls him a bunch of idiots so they, they disappear off. And um, Gary has still been an old stick in the mud about how this um, drop-in centre is going and he's worried that Maria is putting herself in a bit of a dangerous situation. She almost got herself blown up the other week and who knows what's going to happen next. And Maria and Ali are going, no, we're strong, we're women, we're heroes, yeah, we can do anything, we're not letting you tell us what to do and we're not letting these terrorists make us scared so we're going to do a drop in centre whether you like that or not and then Griff's behind bars anyway so it's fine so um there was also a scene later and I, I didn't I didn't write much about this it was it was the one with Max and David at home and and David sort of saying to Max oh did you like Griff because he's an alpha male or something um uh, and Max says oh well at least they stood up for what they believed in so that's kind of just a little bit of scene there to to remind us that Max is still holding on to some of the um, rhetoric that Griff rhetoric? spread. Rhetoric? Rhetoric. Rhetoric, sorry. I was wrong. Okay. So, anyway, I was a bit of dull on Monday. Wednesday got better, eventually. So it all starts off with the with this the plans for the meeting, and, and Darian's there handing out flyers and everything, and I thought, oh, there's going to be another boring meeting. I, I literally, I, going into this episode, I had not an inkling 
of what this was going to turn out to be. So I was very excited when it when it picked up. So he's he's going off, giving his flyers, saying, "Come to the drop-in meeting." Um, and 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 Max, why don't you get? And Max goes off on one or something. But Gary, meanwhile, is still worried that Maria might have a target on her back at the meeting, and he wants to go there as some kind of bodyguard. <laughs> he's like, she he's, is really annoying. I I I'm worried for her safety. Yeah, I mean, he's done his bodyguarding in the past, doesn't he? Back in Ukraine, it's a good um, job there weren't any Ukrainian refugees there. Because that would have been awkward to explain, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so she's like, no, I don't need you. I'm fine, Gary. I'm not. Nobody, who would do anything to me, Maria? So um, then we see David scrubbing a bit of graffiti, which I thought was, I wrote down because I thought that would turn into something, but it's not. And um, I don't know what the graffiti was of, but if he thinks... So someone's a tool, it said. If he thinks that that's mad, he should have seen what it would have looked like if the van had exploded there. Yeah, yeah. It'd have been a bit singed. Mm. So um, Maria and Gary walk past and, and he tells them about Max Dorman off earlier and Gary makes it very, very clear that he's still suspicious of Max and um, he's not no, no way willing to forgive him or think, yeah, he was probably groomed and anything. So this whole, this whole week was really fascinating with all the plats going, look, look, I know, I know he's... Um, made all these videos and stuff, but he's not a bad boy, really. Good heart, isn't he? Yeah. So um, Maria finds David having a bit of a mope in the pub later, and she says, look, bring Max to this refugee drop-in afternoon. That's where all the cool kids are hanging, I'll tell you, David. And also, hearing them speak and, you know, meeting new people might change his mind on them, maybe. She's not wrong here, because people are scared of what they don't know or understand mm. and it's so easy to demonize a whole group of people and say oh that's their fault and you know they do this and they do that but if you actually meet them and you realize that they're just normal people like you yeah mind you he knows darian and he still he still doesn't give him give him a break no does he? i don't i don't think that max is quite in the mood you can't just you know take a racist to a place where <laughs> a bunch of refugees or whatever are and hope that they'll make friends with them but but you can try anyway David's like I don't know whether he's going to be up for that actually and then Gary and Maria have a little more of a chat and Gary says Max is a lost cause don't bother wasting your breath on him and then they have another argument about him being a bodyguard again so um, Gary see what was the point of this I feel Gary, somebody pulls up outside a speed dial don't they in the van and Gary says oh you can't park here we've got deliveries coming all afternoon was he trying to dissuade people from going or something no what was all that about i don't know but it was just i don't know if it was supposed to go oh i wonder if that's a, a it was a red herring it was like a waste of a scene anyway um inside you got alia you got yasmin you got darian you got you got all of that a lot um dd's there as well they're all getting all the organization um finished now for this, this drop-in center this drop-in center was super super well organized and really important and great fun for everybody because they had a great big panel that said this is the drop-in centre mm. they had a great big panel that says Barlow, Barlow's legal services. Barlow's legal services we don't know anything about refugees but we'll tell you how to use Google to find lawyers I presume Yeah. then they had free samosas and Did tea they? and coffee and they had a sign outside saying it was starting at 17.30pm <laughs> they just well, they wanted to very organised yeah so um, anyway meanwhile we, then we cut to back to, to, to number 8 and Max is there watching a video live stream he is it's, it's Blake and um, he's again stepped up a gear quite a bit and he's live streaming something and he's like it, it seems like he's spouting the same kind of racist lines that, that Max had been so he's like 
either had a very quick convert, you know, like a you know road to Damascus moment, but the opposite way around, and or he's been this way all along, and we just haven't really realised. But no, anyway, well, this is just him being inspired the same way. Yeah, Max yeah, but was. he's 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 you know gone up to up to up to 11 straight away hasn't he yeah. and and Max is engrossed by this and he's like it, it looks like something's going on and I was like is, is, is something going to happen Max is watching this because he's know. proud of the impact and influence that he's had and did you think I just wondered whether he was just interested I didn't know whether he was thinking, well, he's probably thinking oh yeah, yeah I made him do this or I whether think, he's just I think he's thinking this guy was bullying me and now he looks up to me I'm mm. really I'm pleased and and he's got all my talking points that I came up with he's, he knows all the things to say in a minute I'm sure he's going to bring up crayfish can't wait for that I don't know. I think he was just looking out of morbid curiosity about what's this guy going to do. Do you think that he had no idea what Blake was? Yeah, I, I don't think so because as soon as he finds out, he does his run, he does his legget routine down the street, doesn't he? But anyway, um, he, he's he's trying to. He's, no, he's watching I, I agree. This video. I agree that he didn't know he was going to be violent, but I I think he was watching it going brilliant he's going to cause some trouble down at the refugee centre mm, and tell them maybe. all what what's what I can't wait to see that him confront them anyway David ends up taking his phone off of him because he wants to sort Doggy David out in the, uh, uh, in the doggy garden who? yeah I mean they've recast Doggy David haven't they yeah, with a with different a breed of dog different type of dog like they're really I don't I don't know dog breeds but yes it's little and brown and, yeah. a, and a bit and long hair. But his face yeah. is different. It's, different it's not the same it, sort of dog. A schnauzer. Yeah. Instead of a Yorkie. I mean, I get it when they recast cast members and they think, oh, it doesn't matter if they don't look exactly like them. What's important is we've got the right actor for the cast and everything. No, they, but they, that doesn't that doesn't for the character. But that doesn't apply to animals. You can literally get an animal that looks pretty much identical. Well, that's why I don't know if it's obvious to people, but that's why they use pedigree animals. They don't do. They don't use them because everybody is a snob and they only like you know mm. Alsatians or whatever. They use them because dog breeds look very similar because of the standards that are created by the kennel clubs. Yeah, that's why they always have. They don't really have mongrels. <coughs> anyway, you I'm... can't get stunt versions that look the same as the other dogs. No, I, I'm I'm sure that they would have tried to get something looking like the original Doggy David, but um, I and it's been a long time since he's been on the show. But I think what's happened is that they've just hired somebody for the casting who's got face blindness and Maybe. everyone's too afraid to mention it <laughs> and they keep thinking, look, I've cast the perfect person exactly the same. This summer looks exactly the same as the old summer. <laughs> and everyone's like... Brilliant job. Well done. Thank you for your help. Anyway, anyway, so 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 Max has to go and help David with Doggy David in the garden. Because he's messing up all the wood chips. Yeah. And then we cut to Blake and he's there um, outside. He's, he's going down Villain's Alley, isn't he? And he's like saying, oh, this is going to be special. So he, I he don't does listen. A, Can I just what? say, I don't want a victim blame here, but if Speed Dog didn't want to attract all this attention, they shouldn't have had their business directly opposite Villain's that, Alley. That's a very good point, just actually. just asking for That's it. probably how they got it so cheap. <laughs> Next to the next to the haunted snooker hall and the, <laughs> and the dodgy villains alley and opposite opposite the uh, morgue yeah it is now. Uh, what's it called it wasn't a morgue back then funeral parlour was it? it wasn't it wasn't a funeral no I know was that. anyway so he strolls up to speed dial and he's acting all polite and interested and like oh a refugee dropping centre yes please can I come in and do some do goodery just like the rest of you and he's still filming all of this it's not apparent to me what the attraction is for people that aren't refugees here I didn't really understand. What it was supposed Free to be. Free food, but they didn't advertise that. No, they might have done. Instant. But, you know, but if I was Maria, I'd be like, 
What do you want? They're just raising awareness of uh, refugees okay, issues. Okay, that's great. Yeah. I'm so, obviously just anti-social. Offering I've got no samosas. idea why anybody would want to stand in a room with people they don't know for any length of time. Well, you know, <laughs> the crowds were really into it. They were loving just it. Just skipping ahead nodding, a little nodding, bit. Nodding, nodding, Did you see what a bunch nodding. of nodders they were? Nodding, When nodding. Maria was doing her speech, those people, they, 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 they backed down at actors. They, they were just told, they are given one stage direction, just keep on nodding. You are in a agreement with everything Maria was saying just nod away yes like the Churchill dog nodding yeah I agree with you Maria Maria just wants the validation and then maybe look a bit scared when Blake pulls the knife later I don't know <laughs> Blake pulls the knife out and then the woman's like yes yes, yes brilliant yes. fantastic I can't wait to see what happens next oh this is the best dropping centre I've ever been yeah, to if Blake pulls out and he goes you call that a knife this is a knife and the woman's like yes, yes it is well done very excellent nice knife. Um, anyway so he's still filming and he, he's, he's talking on the camera very quietly because he's in speed dial now about oh yeah I'm going to be on the news tomorrow for what I'm going to do stay tuned and I still I was thinking what's going to happen here I would I, I think this is amazing I was I loving was... this they had the tension really just right for this much better than they did for the bomb I'm going to say which as we all remember turned out to be a massive farce this was like done pretty well yeah so um, Max meanwhile is begging for his phone back just for a bit and David says oh fine well, you can have it back if you go to the drop-in meeting go on off you go so um he doesn't go yet. No, 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 he doesn't go. So, Alia... Bra- oh, this was cringe. She invites the brains of the event to come and talk. And that's oh, the last time, the first time and only time that Maria's ever been called the brains of anything. I just don't... I thought it was... Yeah. It was a bit unfortunate because I wouldn't say that you needed brains to go, let's put some flyers out. Well, I haven't seen any scarecrows organising refugee drop-in centres, Gemma, I'll tell you that. But anyway, um, so everyone's like, yeah, it's Maria, whoa, Maria, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nod, nod, she, nod, she, nod, nod, oh, nod. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nod, 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 the head nod. banging to Maria, and she does her speech about this dangerous world that they live in where we're all scared. Nod, nod, and, nod. and Blake's like, yeah, you should be angry, not scared. And Maria's nod, like nod, carrying nod. on, saying, blah, 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 blah. And Blake says, oh, these people are a joke. Um, and then and then Deejay's phone goes off just for a laugh because don't forget she's a hotshot lawyer but she's also a bit of a ditz and um, nod 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 and then she she carries on her speech does Maria and then it tells no, everybody she goes hang on look everybody this is Deejay she might be a stupid idiot but she's also a lawyer yeah what and then Deejay you goes, might need lawyers Deejay goes yeah I'm a lawyer and I don't know anything about refugees but I do know how to find lawyers for refugees. And I was thinking, bring the lawyer who's the refugee lawyer <coughs> here, mm. then we don't need you, Didi, to tell us that your phone's on, because we can hear it. <laughs> anyway. Nod, nod, nod. nod Blake nod, pulls nod. out a knife. He's got it secret, he's got it secreted in his trouser pocket, I think it was. And I was like, oh, exciting stuff. It looked like the sort of knife his nan Max, uses to peel the potatoes. Max finally gets his phone back later. And resumes this video. Oh no! And then he sees a knife and he does a big old run, doesn't he? A big old one take tracking shot run all the way from number eight Coronation Street to speed dial. His arms are flapping and he, as he's he pounding into down Ronnie the car. Bailey, who then decides to chase him. Yeah. And then give up. He's like, oh, there's some drama going on. Is there a storyline going on down there, Max? Or I'm dropping everything. I'm getting running. involved in this. I've not had and one the, of them for and years. And the director's like, you're not in it. Go back. Go back, Ronnie. Oh, please, please. Have a story. Come on. Come but on. Give me a story. But my niece is in there. Yeah. Anyway, 
Matt, I, I, I love that shot. That was really, really well done, absolutely. And, and um, yeah, so cool stuff. And then he gets to speed dial, goes downstairs, looking majorly panicked. And I, and I did get slight flash, do, yeah. flashbacks to the, um, to the, the, the market scene a few weeks ago where you he's running to the market. Going, oh, there's danger. Just... Watch out. Oh. No, he hadn't learned anything. Just be Clearly specific. Clearly articulate the issue at hand. And then just say, people will Blake's be, got a knife. Just say, we need to evacuate immediately. Yeah, but he, he can't. But, I mean, to be well, fair, he, he has a go. Gary spots him and says, you're not welcome here. And then kind of roughs him up a little bit so he can't go in. But then finally, it's showtime for Blake. He like, targets himself at Maria, gets out his knife, strides on towards her. And then Darian's like, oh, he's got a blade. And then he's like, watch out, everybody. He's got a knife. Not, not, and then there's not, a whole not, bit not. of a... Yeah, he does, yes. Nod, correct, nod, correct, nod. correct. Mm-hmm. A bit of a fracas. And then Alia heroically jumps into the path of Blake and the knife, takes the, takes the blade into her side. And, uh, and then Blake is apprehended by Gary. Well, and... no, but this was quite, this was a really interesting scene because we didn't cut immediately away. Mm. We saw the aftermath here with Blake's on the floor. Gary and Darian are both hanging on to him for yeah. dear life, trying to wrestle this knife off of him, while Alia's being a drama queen in the corner. Oh, I'm dying of blood loss. <laughs> she's got she's got blood spurting out. She of looks her. quite ill, didn't Ar- she? Darian had a bit of a cut hand as well because he was he was in the way and everything. It was it was very exciting now, stuff, and uh, I was thinking, oh, are they going to kill Alia off? No. <laughs> but now, then I thought, oh, she escaped death the first time. And, you know, if it's third time lucky. Is that for us? Because we want to get rid of Alia. <laughs> I don't know what happened to the strapping um, lad who was working as a chef in the kitchen. He was carefully polishing a chilli at one point. But he made himself pretty scarce. <laughs> yeah, he did, didn't he? Anyway, Alia's been stabbed. She's bleeding out on speed dial floor. And, um, They're going to get a really low hygiene rate in Yasmin that. runs out the kitchen and do you know what, you know, at Yasmin. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she never does anything lightly, does Yasmin. Well, so she's I'll, like, oh my God, my dear just, Alia. Well, yeah, I guess so. I, I, wa- guess so. I wanted to say one criticism and... and um, this is a bit. This is a bit mean, but I, I, I didn't like the way that nobody had their head in in the right place apart from Gary here. I know that in real life everyone would panic, but this is a TV show, and I was so unsatisfied with how everybody lost their minds. Yeah, everybody there. just legs it, don't they? Well, Dee Dee was Dee Dee's supposed to be um, a sensible lawyer, but she just runs out with everybody else. She doesn't. You've written she shepherds them to safety. She doesn't. She they does. All just she run does out. this way, this way. They all just run outside. Nobody's in charge of anything, which I know would happen in real life. But like I said, I want to. I want to see heroes. I've said this before. You had Alia being a hero. No, Alia just made everything worse. You don't know what would have happened if she hadn't jumped in the way. You might have just been knocked over by Gary. Do- but listen. And then you've got um, Yasmin, who's just like what, uh, hugging Alia, letting her die in her <coughs> arms because she's been stabbed. Take her jacket off and and wrap it up. What are you doing? I'm first aid trained, Gemma. I'm not first aid trained, but I wouldn't. Be, well, unless I want her to die. Yeah, that's right, Alia. You just lie there. You'll be fine. Don't worry. No, I thought it was fine. I, I, I thought wanted was... somebody to, to. I wanted somebody to be a bit sensible. I understand that in real life it wouldn't happen. I just found it really unsatisfying how everybody panicked, and I I thought it was a way to make it seem more dramatic than it than it was. Hmm. It didn't need that. I like I, people to be... I really, really like to see my everyday heroes stepping up 
and nobody really did apart from Gary. And well, I thought that was a big tell shame. You what, if if Abby had been at the drop-in centre, she'd have sorted things out, wouldn't she? But Can she you see won. what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess I see it, but it's it, the it same didn't, thing didn't bother me. That okay. Yeah, the the the, only, the main thing that kind of had my eye rolling there was the fact that it was Alia yet again, and I'm thinking, oh, Coronation Street really wants us to think Alia is a hero and not just a bit of a boring character. But she still is a bit boring. uh, Alia. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she she didn't even do the dramatic RD jumping in the way of the gun slow motion. No, sort of jump, did she? She just kind of shoved herself in the way. But anyway. Max is looking shell-shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's outside now, apart from Alia, Yasmin, Blake, um... Da- Darian and Gary, who are all still inside. Yeah. And uh, Dee Dee's trying to get everyone away. Alia, Sarah Khan, plays Alia. I, very good, I thought she was doing a good, good job. I've not seen anybody be stabbed. I hope that I never will. But, you know, she had a very pale face. She was doing a very short of breath. She's hyperventilating. Yeah, didn't she have a lung punctured or yes. something like that? So I, I thought that she was doing a fab job. And then Darian's also not looking too great there. I mean, well, he's clinging on to Blake's feet, panicking. Whilst this having kid, a stabbed hand. I, I can't remember if they said where he came, what country he's come from. No, they haven't, they haven't but said. They said he's got, Kurdish. You, you presume that he's... He's fled from a war zone, yeah, or some kind of strife or something, and he comes to England, and then he's, he's watching people get stabbed in front of his eyes. If you will come to Weatherfield, though, imagine how awful he would he would feel, and then to, he probably would also feel guilty now to think, <coughs> oh, this is because of me. I brought this with me. Am I cursed? Have mm. I got some kind of curse on me where everywhere I go, everybody dies? I think that they. I don't know what's going on with Darian because when he came into it, and this is probably going back what three, four, five months now, it was like, oh, here's a character that's only going to be in it for an episode. And now I'm thinking, is he a regular? I don't really know. Is he going to stay for a bit? I'm not sure because I, I do like him, but I'm, I'm thinking, how much do die. I need to invest in this character? I honestly, because I like to, but he feels like he's a bit expendable. I just want to say again another thing as well about this is that this would have been way more impactful, exciting. And concerning if Alia hadn't already just got blown up by a bomb about two weeks ago. Forget that bomb. Just cut that whole thing out. I don't understand why that was in there. Well, it was so anticlimactic. And now she's got. Now she's been stabbed. It just. It just goes to show you that you just can't keep a role. You can't keep um, big stakes uh, drama that, so regularly. Uh, well, that, this is the problem with soap, isn't it? It's like. Uh, the, the, you've got to have this regular hit of high drama. Do you see but, what I'm saying? Yeah, though? yeah, do you, think you do. That it would have been more impactful if Ali hadn't just survived a bombing. Yeah, absolutely. Because when she did it, I was like, oh, here we go again. I'm sure she'll be fine again. But I think that the thing about this is that, you know, when she was in hospital later on, she's kind of panicking. And I think it's going to have a big psychological impact on her that she, this has happened twice. But I just don't think it needed to happen twice for mm. you to... I, I think if someone tried to stab me, it would affect me psychologically. I don't think I'd need to follow it up with a bomb. Yeah, she was pretty shaken by the end she of the was. day, wasn't she? I just thought it was quite funny that Blake's attempt at you know, Maria's life or was so much more successful than, than Griff's. Griff, a grown man, Over somebody who's London. been, who's been far right extremist for quite a long time, had a bomb. Yep. Didn't really cause very much damage. Yep. Didn't even blow the winds, the, the wing, uh, the windscreen off the car. And then Blake, newly recruited, just got a knife. Yep. He, he manages to get two people, puncture yep. a really? lung. Yep. Much, you know, he's going to. I give him the award. For the best racist. 
Yeah, well, you know, yeah. Griff's, in, Griff's behind bars now, isn't he? So um, I suppose Blake will be too, but... Yeah, Blake's um, probably in a lot of trouble now. Yeah, well, you know, you know what they say, the blade is mightier than the bomb, and the adage was proved true in this week's Coronation Street. So anyway, 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 anyway. Um, ambulance and the police have arrived later. Blake's put into the car, and this is when he does his... He looks at Max, and he's just, like, hero-worshipping, isn't he? He's like, oh... You you you're my inspiration, Max. And um, Max is like, Max shut is up, like, you're gonna get me in trouble. Yeah, so he kind of runs back home. To the David's like, what have you done now? <laughs> um, there's a, there was a little scene uh, with Dee Dee all shaken up in the pub later with Ronnie, so he does he does get to be involved in this storyline a little bit. And um, we just need to give a shout out to Dee Dee's magnificent hair this week. Yes, <laughs> it looked fabulous. <laughs> I loved it. It was it was brilliant. Very loved very it. cool hair. Yes. I hope she keeps it. Um, Yasmin and Maria at the end of the episode are at the hospital Darian's going to be okay because literally just got his hands just hurt his hands a bit no word on Alia and here comes here comes the nurse or the doctor I don't know it was I never know who these people. I need to learn what the colour tops are what they stand for but anyway Alia's heading off to surgery she's got a punctured lung who knows how she will do is the classic you don't need two lungs Classic end of episode, hospital cliffhanger. Yasmin's like, why does this keep happening to us? This is so... Can I just say how awful... I know I'm an awful human being. I know. I just think it's so funny. (laughs) That, like, we're discussing two... two, We've only discussed two stories so far. The first one, I was like, Carla's so mean, hurting Stephen's feelings by putting him down. And then Ollie gets stabbed trying to save someone else's life. I'm like, you don't need both your lungs. Don't know what she's moaning about. (laughs) Yeah, get back to work. (laughs) Get me a mango lassie. So, Thursday, Alia wakes up. She works up. with Dee Dee now. Oh, oh, yeah, she does, doesn't she? Thursday, she's work, waking up in hospital with Yasmeed. Maria pops in to say hello as well. She's okay, thank goodness We for knew that. that she would be fine. <sighs> yeah. But this is what you need. We need some more higher stakes. We need high stakes, we do. Darren should they, have died twice by now. They, they, they couldn't really have killed Alia quite so soon bring after in, Teddy died. But... Bring in um, Darian's brother, yeah, for a, yeah, for a beautiful, touching reunion that then gets ruined by one of them dying. Yeah. So um, Max shows is, is kind of she, freaking he's, out. He's freaking out. He's ready to do a flit um, because he realizes that you know Blake's <laughs> said he's his inspiration. It's only a matter of time before the police come round, and he kind of he wants to start fessing up to what he's been doing with all this AV stuff. So there's videos. So he gets David, Sarah, Louise, AV and Adam club. all around the, the laptop and start showing them the video. And he's got a whole folder full of them and he, Adam's like this could be seen as inciting hatred Max delete um, them yeah especially with, <laughs> with what Blake said and if you're if you're found guilty of inciting terrorism you could get up to 10 years in prison where were you Adam thanks Adam for that why didn't you say this earlier yeah just to just to get, put the uh, the frighteners up him a little bit more so over at the lawyer's office later um, Dee Dee listens Dee Dee's kind of no. Dee Dee's really she, annoyed. She's hiding this. in the kitchen. She's bit, not isn't hiding. She? She's in the kitchen, minding her own well, business. Well, Sarah's there talking to Adam about Max, and Sarah's saying, "Oh, Max deserves to be listened to and treated fairly. It's not his fault that this has happened to him." And, no, and Adam's no, no, saying, no, no, "Well, no. you know, no. What's happening is <coughs> the flats are trying to get help for yeah. Max because they can't change what's happened, but they can protect." Max from the consequences and Dee Dee's overhearing this and she is disgusted that Adam and Sarah are talking about him like he is also a victim yeah 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 basically yeah um so 
Stu finds Darian in the cafe later and gives him a swish pair of trainers to say he's trying to thank eat thank you very much beans for being, yeah, lovely and well done with, and stuff um, bandages on his hands why are you eating beans beans on toast for breakfast <laughs> what beans is a breakfast food not beans on toast uh, oh well well let's have a discussion about it. everyone write in and tell me I just think beans mm. with something is breakfast beans on toast is lunch okay. or dinner so Maria, meanwhile, <laughs> is feeling very guilty about what happened. She's been a bit of a victim herself. Over at the hospital, Alia is still very weak. She's knocking her lunch all over the place. And then, oh, um, the sandwich fell on oh, the floor. Oh I'm just oh. being re-victimised again. Can you, oh, sorry, this little sandwich. Can the you go and, can you go and get me a... Ending. Go and get me a burger, please. She tells Yasmin, look, I'm terrified um, about, well, you know... What, what would have happened to me if Gary and Darian hadn't been there? And Yasmin says, look, it's fine, don't well, worry, don't worry. Maybe don't jump in the way of a knife. Yeah, um, and then Darian <laughs> and Stu come visit. So yeah, Alia, Alia is starting to, um, yeah, to, she's confronted Alia her own mortality and out. she's freaking out a little bit, yeah. And I wish I felt more sympathetic. I really don't know what's wrong with me. Gail, meanwhile, has been watching Max's videos. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Gail's watched all the videos and she's like... Blake was right. <laughs> yeah, just imagine. To tell you what, it's a good job that we've got sensible Gail this week because buffoon Gail would have been totally taken in by this. But yeah, she was, she looked thoroughly harrowed. This I reminded was, me. I was very impressed by this girl. She did a really good performance. She, she's not been a dit. She's not been a buffoon like at all this year. I'm gonna say. This reminds me my, that scenario I said, I said about. Um, watching the video and becoming a racist reminds me of that Monty Python sketch where they had the funniest joke in the world mm. where if you read it you laugh yourself to death and all the police were going in and they couldn't help but yeah. read it and everybody was just dying and a, it's kind of like a potato mean. thing yeah yeah. this was like this was it well it's like it's you know they're so persuasive that anybody who watches them uh, it's like the ring video yeah once you in seven days you'll stab somebody you've got to convert somebody else to being a racist within seven days <laughs> Um, anyway, so Gail is there, but very serious. Well, you'd be, um, you be. Imagine how freaked out you'd be if you're if you realise your grandson had mm. been making these disgusting videos. I know, I know. And, and he says, "Oh, it kind of started off when Darian took my place at school." And it's all Gail's his like, fault. What on earth? But then, before they can get any further into that, the police come round, and um, Max is arrested on suspicion of incitement to attempted murder. That sounds fake. It's real, real thing. It what? Att- incitement to attempted murder. Yeah. Isn't it incitement? Like, go on, go on. Try to murder them. Don't do it. But go it on, really have a try. That? Give it a stab. <laughs> Is it not just incitement to murder that you didn't quite manage? I don't understand laws. Anyway. But do you not see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm he just telling you what the subtitle said because we put it no, on and I, to it again. No, I didn't. You wrote it down correctly because we went back and looked at it. I'm not saying you got it wrong. I'm asking if Coronation Street, is that a real thing? I would have thought so. Anyway, we see him being interviewed next at the police station. Like, why did you make the videos and everything? And Max starts opening up and saying, look, my life's rubbish. Um, I've, I've had such a terrible background. And Dave's like, hang on a minute. You, you've not had too bad a life with us, actually. You've been part of the family for a long time. And Max says, well, you know, yeah, I was born in this country and nobody sticks up for people like me. Um, I liked the... Oh, no, we're going to get to it in a minute. Aren't yeah, we? there's yeah. more. The, the Max stuff in the in the, in the the interview room was awesome. I love that. This one. Adi Beavers is so a fantastic He did a very, very good yeah. job. So Alia gets home later and um, she kind of hobbles out of the taxi. You know, she's just been stabbed, lung punctured, but 
Got to, got to fill those beds with another person so she's back home again. The direction for this scene was, right, uh, okay, it's a, the um, the bombing was a five out of ten. This is an eight, mm. okay? Yeah. You're worse off than you were before. Yeah. And 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 not only... You wait till you find out what the ten out of ten is going to be. <laughs> not only is Alia heroic, but she's also very kind of forgiving and gracious because um, when Sarah comes along, um, Alia's kind of like smiley and Sarah says, you okay? And Alia says, oh, you know, I've been better. And Yasmin's like, no, I don't want you to do anything with her don't family. Don't talk to her. Leave her alone. But um, anyway, Alia pops well, off no, inside. Because... Because she says, Yasmin says that, and then yeah, of Max. Sarah says, Max didn't mean for this to happen, it's not his fault. And um, Yasmin's like, Ugh. Yeah, whatever. Whatever, so, bitch. <laughs> this is when we had the rest of the great interview scene, and Max is saying, Look, I never wanted anyone to get hurt. I was the one that warned them about the bomber. Yeah. Like, I saved lives when that happened. And they're like, yeah, but these videos, Max, you've made, the language in them is very militaristic. And they read out some of his quotes about, you know, join the cause and everything. I can't remember what it was. And Max and he's says... Like, no, it's this band, the Irish band, the cause. I can't <laughs> spell. It's not my fault. Max says, I didn't tell Blake to go and stab someone. That's on him. And this detect- the detective there is not convinced. Mm. And Max says, look, I'm just stupid scum to you, aren't I? But I'm not scum. I'm not, you know, I never had a handout or a leg a leg up or extra help or anything, despite the fact I've got ADHD, despite the fact that I um, that my mum was murdered when I was nine years old. Like, she was stabbed to, to death outside my house. And when things like that happen, well, you have to learn to fend for yourself and it gets lonely and then someone comes along and tells you you're not mad, you're not worthless, you're not alone. Thank I you, everybody. Just was, send the yeah. soap awards this way. Nod, 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 <laughs> nod, nod. No, I um, I lo- I like this. I've been saying for a while, haven't I, that I wanted something convincing from the side, the racist side, to explain their behaviour, mm. because um, nobody just does, you know, makes these videos and stabs somebody for the really paper-thin stuff that they were mm. saying up until this point. I mean, it's it's not an excuse. The police can't turn around and say. Oh, yeah, or we'll let you off then. But I, I thought it was really worth doing, having Max giving this speech and sort of you talking about... You need to have his, his perspective. And the point of this scene is, actually, many people feel who are like Max and Max's situation feel in a similar way. Yeah, okay? this is, this is all, all what rad- radicalisation is about. There are lots of working-class white young men, especially who feel really ostracised and, um, what's the word, <sighs> left behind by society. because And, and they, they feel the, exactly the same way that Max does. Yeah. And this the, is a very real situation. This sort of thing happens. Yeah. And, and, and I'm it, not saying, we're not, we're not, not saying we sympathise, but that's not the point, is it? You don't, you don't have to sympathise or believe <coughs> somebody is saying something that's true to try to come to an understanding because until you understand what the perspective is you can't you can't combat mm. the the origin of the of the issue you can't just tell everybody oh well you've got to understand it to to fight it because it's um an ideology mm. you can't just scrape it under the carpet and, and this this, this was coronation street is. saying Max isn't all bad. He's not rotten to the core. He's got reasons why he was so amenable to this grooming. And of course, uh, you know, and again, it's it's not true. Max has actually got lots of privileges that he can't see. He's got a yeah. massive family. He's got lots of people that really love him and care for him. He's got a blimmin' uncle. He's a lawyer. He 
He's, he had ADHD. He's got medicine and treatment for it. They found out he had ADHD and they helped him to overcome it. He's not back in school because of his behaviour, but the, the government has provided him with a place in the PRU. Maybe it's not ideal, but the, the government is, is still providing him with an education. Yeah. He's, but... the, he's, he's privileged and he doesn't even realise all of his privileges. But again, you know, if he compares himself to other people, he's yeah, going to feel... feel... Um, inferior yeah and like he doesn't have as much and that that's why like when when i see people online or wherever saying oh i could never forgive max what he's done is unforgivable i, I don't think that's true and I, I i totally have sympathy for him here he was groomed he was taken advantage of by griff you know you you can have more than one victim in a story and you can also have different levels can't you because obviously he's not the biggest victim here no and we're not saying that either and and you know if some if this happens to someone in real life which it does, you don't just say, you have to help you've been them. groomed, you're saying these awful things, there's no hope for you now. It is, it's, you know, like, well, like I suppose they, they were saying, I'll take Max along to the refugee centre, or, or, or some, and I said, well, that's a bit silly, you wouldn't want to, but it's just stuff like that. I think getting, if you've been, if you've got a kid that's been radicalised, you've got to show them, or what what your idea about this community is it isn't right and trying to get them involved and educate them properly from and a, show them that what what is right and that's all that max needs from a selfish perspective as a, as a society uh, you know as part of society we have to help people like this because we don't want them running around stabbing people no you or, can't pretend it's not a real problem or just throwing them in jail yeah. where they're just going to but they're just going to you know He's stew on it up, is he going to end up in prison with with griff now yeah. Because well, Griff's going to be on remand in prison. And so will he. They'll both be put into a similar facility. You know, in real life, I doubt that they would be allowed anywhere near each other because of their prior history. But I don't know. Mm, mm. And, and you know, I don't know what the situation is in... in um, I said this last... I said this before already. I don't know what the situation is in, in UK prisons and whether they're um, racially seg- segregated. But I know that it, that is a big thing in America because I've watched Prison Break. So expert <laughs> i don't know i don't know but um yeah I, I i think he can and and should be um rehabilitated i think that's and again you know i don't know um i don't know what people's thoughts are about how culpable you think that max is for someone else's actions it's a it's an interesting concept isn't it and i know that um because i i saw somebody tweet and say that somebody this is actually quite realistic because a 19-year-old man was just found guilty of inciting a shooting in America mm. um, from in England. Yeah. And I tried to look this story up to find out more details, but I couldn't find anything about it. But I did find loads of other stories about people who have been put into prison for inciting hatred or, or violence with what they say mm. or what they've well, done on the internet. Yeah, or well, Max was, you know, telling people, get your mallet out hammer the cockroaches so he was he was saying it but but you know I, I think I think sometimes you know my thoughts are very complicated about this but I think sometimes we feel as though you can say more extreme things on the internet than you can in real life but if you think about it if Max was standing on the street corner going smash the immigrants take this country back we can't let them run it you know that they're t- stealing all of our stuff that would be unacceptable yeah but because it's on a video, you kind of think, well, how can he be responsible for what this other guy has done? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I suppose I'm kind of also partly coming at it as an angle. I'm still in the back of my head thinking, 
Um, I forgot what I was thinking. But just, <laughs> just how quick that Blake was seemingly convinced, and it's like I, that that just didn't feel right to me. So but yeah, I, it makes me. F- if if we'd have seen maybe more of Blake's watching Max's videos and then feel, slowly being yeah. radicalized, but I that's kind of what happened to Max. But at the same time, I feel as though again, it's it's the it's the it's the economic <laughs> socio-economic state status of that they already have but you know you could sit me down and make me watch a bunch of videos i wouldn't go around stabbing people a week later you never know (laughs) but it's really it's a really i really am enjoying the questions and the challenges this story is is raising and i think it's okay if you don't really know what you think i think it's okay to let the story unfold and take you to places that are a bit uncomfortable and I've seen on Twitter quite a lot of people find this a bit uncomfortable Mm. and so there's quite a lot of people who are finding this a bit racist against white people I've noticed because apparently um if you if you show racism from white people it it's racist against white people Mm, really interesting Um, yeah I I I don't think that that you I don't think it's right to criticize Coronation Street for having this story I think they're doing no. a really good job. I think I they're bit, doing a good job. I was a bit worried. I was worried. wary about the, it before. I, I, I liked it at the start. I don't know what Spider's up to at the moment, but I hope he comes Spider's back soon. Spider doesn't care anymore. Um, when they had the whole bombing stuff, it kind of went downhill a little bit. But I'm right back on it again. I, this is this is fab. I, I love this this week. Anyway, no, nothing else much we have, happens We really. have gone a bit of a, side, a sidetrack here. I want to know what everybody thinks. If you... No matter what you think, why don't you write in and well, tell we, us? Well, we have, we have this debate between violence. Adam and Dee Dee later, don't we, at the office? So these two um, business friends are clearly not <laughs> in agreement about what should happen to Max. So that's quite exciting. We'll see what happens Well, no, there. this was interesting because Dee Dee pointed out what I had just kind of said, which is that Max actually doesn't have any excuse for how disenfranchised he feels. He's got a really massive loving family and what he said is not acceptable. And she challenges Adam and I... This was an important scene, but I was a bit annoyed with Dee Dee because the whole premise of the law is that you have to have representation. And I, but it's personal for Dee Dee, isn't it? Yeah. She was there. Yeah, yeah. She, she shouldn't, did. she shouldn't have been at work. She should have gone <laughs> home. I, and Adam probably should not have done this in front of her. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I think if Dee Dee thinks about it, she might realise that <coughs> Adam doesn't really have a choice. No. Um, so Alia, so that that's kind of left with us. We'll see what happens there next time. Alia is um, realising at home that Yasmin and Stu aren't at work and they're saying, oh, we've closed down Speed Dial temporarily under the circumstances. And Alia is just one final act of heroism for the week, just getting one in before the credits uh, close the week out. She says, oh, you, you go to the restaurant. I'll be OK. I'll be a brave soldier on the, on the sofa. Get that restaurant open. Is this the same day? There's blood everywhere. It's a crime scene. No, it's the next day, isn't it? This is Thursday. Well, it's a crime scene. They got really good cleaning. If I was, if I was Stu and Yasmin, I'd say you're not the only one who was there. I know you were stabbed, but I'm also a bit sad. Can I not watch it? Yeah, Yasmin just wanted to stay and watch a film, didn't she? Anyway, in the end of the episode, Max taken away to be charged. Yeah, for incitements to attempt murder or whatever it what is have we in- and this makes me nervous because what have we incited we could have incited all kinds of things laughing um, at inappropriate times making fun of people for things that are really tragic I hope, yeah <laughs> not being sympathetic enough incited people oh there's i hope we've incited people to do good things like go on the coronation street tour being and... sympathetic to racists no hopefully oh. not well no <laughs> but um it's not this it's a very gray situation 
Mm. Um, and I don't want anybody to think that we're sympathetic to the idea that you know of course not I don't think people think that people do people like to to listen and get the wrong impression I just I just feel really bad for Max and 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 I know I mean he was a he was a scrote before this wasn't he I mean with all the stuff with with um drugging Amy accidentally and and I can't remember what else he did last year but yeah he, he was not a very nice piece of work but I can just see that there is a sweet you know, they're struggling to find a place there and, is. and a um a, a purpose. There's, there's, there's and a little boy in there. Because he was being supported and encouraged by older men, and and he wanted to be belong somewhere. And he's been told that every single thing that was gone wrong is down to this, that, and the other thing. And if you can't understand how, um, you know, th- this is so intoxicating, and easy to believe isn't it this is what you know yeah. everybody always makes fun of comparing things to nazi germany this is what happened mm. that everybody was having a hard time and they got told it's these people's fault and then we you know mm. it was so easy to convince them mm. obviously not everybody you know but not everybody was convinced not everybody would be convinced but max is in such a, a hard position yeah but he i wish he could see that he's got lots of things on his side mm. yeah he really does he's great at making propaganda he should go work for Hollywood <laughs> um, shall we Should we move on to the next story let's, oh, let's... I really so this This. whenever I watch this story Which one? this Max story yeah. I really enjoy it but I just know it's going to be really difficult to talk about because I don't feel like I've articulated no, you always do men- I, listen, I usually just stay quiet because I know that you always do do it. I know job. but I feel like I can't articulate everything that I really think because I do think it's complicated but I also think that people some people might be listening to this going it's not complicated at all because he's a racist and he got somebody stabbed and I agree with that too mm. you're it's right it's really it's really tough and people are listening to this who are coming from it from a position of they would be the ones on the other end of the night. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. And we're exactly. coming from this as a position of I would have gone to the thing in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There's a lesson to be learned somewhere in this. Oh, wow. Well, right, maybe Gemma, we'll get it one day. Let, let's have a slightly I'm really um, less see, controversial I'm really story. interested to see what's going to happen with Max. I really want to know. I'm, I'm Now I'm kind of excited because I wonder if he's going to meet up with Griff in prison. Maybe. I, I, um, I think he's going to get away with it. I don't think he's going to be sent to prison. Do you think? I don't think so. Maybe it's going to turn out that Blake was watching. The thing is, he still made the videos. And also, I looked this up and I just want to say, it doesn't matter whether you actually did incite somebody to do anything. It, if you created the videos in the first place and they and they I don't know how they're going to prove this um, but they can prove that you were trying to incite violence it doesn't matter if you did influence anybody because there's quite a lot of cases I've, I've seen where people have gone to prison and nobody watched the videos mm. I, I think that the trial is just going to be a case of them saying oh Griff made you do it did he um, you, you were taken advantage of we'll let you off I just want um <coughs> I really feel like I want Alia to have a bit of righteous anger at them because she's been very nice and all forgiving and everything. Um, and even though I didn't really agree with Dee, I totally understand where she's coming from and I think I would be exactly the same way and I'd feel the same way as she did. Yeah, she's got but I'd rather it was coming from Alia. I think that Darian will um, will forgive What's Max. What's Darian going to do? I think he's going to forgive I think Darian should stab Max. Right, come on, we need to move on. Next story. Look who's stalking. Okay. It's Justin. This is... 
also an issue storyline. Yes, it is an issue storyline. On Monday, Daisy's phone is ringing because she and but she's freaked out because of this stalker and she doesn't want to answer it. Yeah, it's a number she doesn't. This is in the um in the Rovers. Yeah. They're all working. Jenny comes in <coughs> and there's another bunch of flowers that have been delivered and she's freaking out, obviously, about this because she doesn't want the attention. <laughs> uh, do you believe that? No. Not that kind <laughs> Not of that attention. Kind. Daniel and Daisy um, go to the cafe later together and she is trying to figure out who the stalker is and um, he says, look, why don't I use my phone to phone the number? Then they won't know it's, it's you and I can find out who it is. But Clever. when he rings the number, he just gets the answer phone. Then we get the hospital man, who probably has a name, because it would be weird if you called a baby hospital man. Well, this man. is Justin, isn't it? We now know. He comes into the bar, because Daisy's back working, starts chatting with her. She, she doesn't recognise him at all. And he reintroduced himself and says, I'm the one who had a d- sick mum. I'm assuming that she's fine or she's dead now. No, they, they did say he's... Um, she, she, she kind of she thinks dead? that she puts her foot in it, but he's... He says, "No, we're just making organisation. Oh, we're just oh. making preparations for the funeral, but we don't need a funeral yet." So he he says, "I've been thinking about you a lot, and I and I know your name, and I bought you the flowers. Did you like them?" He's Justin, Justin Hospital Man, baby. <laughs> Glenda is there. She's backing Daisy up, and Justin's like, you, uh, um, "Why don't you? Why don't you love me? You should you should dumb Daniel get with me." And uh, Glenda's like, no, 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 get out. This is not right. Yeah, she, she coiks him out. And, and at this Europe, moment, we discover that he's not the person who's been ringing her. So she got two stalkers. So the, the number, they phone it again later. And the phone rings as a woman walks in. And who is it? But the woman we've mentioned several times before. It's Christine. Christina. Ah, uh, uh, Daisy's mum. Now, this was annoying because we predicted Daisy's dad would come back so to the close. show. And, um, no, it was Daisy's mum. It was a bit of still, an easy... Still the chance. It was, a, it was an easy guess because when a character's getting married, it's an easy thing for them to bring family members out of the woodwork that haven't been cast yet. Yeah, so we still might have Mr. Midgley, who still doesn't... I don't think he's ever been given a first name on the show. It's a sad like. indictment of Coronation Street that if you're getting married and you don't have your family member cast yet, they're more likely to turn up than the ones that have been cast who can't be bothered to come back. Yeah, very true. <laughs> you know, that's not really what happened. So who, who is this Christina? So this what is Christina. She's Daisy's mum. She's been living on a houseboat in Amsterdam for 10 years. And she heard about the wedding from one of the old school friends Daniel had got in touch with, whoopsie doodles. And uh, Jenny walks in and, you know, there's a lot of tension here because Jenny was the one who stole Daisy's dad from Christina, according to Christina. And Jenny's telling Glenda later on about this and um, uh, how horrible Christina was to Daisy's dad. And um, she also didn't bother contacting Jenny or the family uh, until ages after Tom died, which yeah, obviously is to- Tom was Jenny and Daisy's dad's son. Yeah. So it was Christi- nothing to do with Christina really, but she didn't offer any sympathy or seemed to care. And um, she thinks she's a waste of space. But da- Daisy and Daniel take Christina back to number one. And she's like, yeah, let's get in. I want to help you with the wedding. And uh, I want to be involved. I want to come. But Daisy's not impressed at all. And Daniel's like, well, I'm just glad that you're distracted from the stalker thing. <laughs> so on Wednesday, uh, Jenny's trying to convince Daisy to give Christina a chance. 
and let her back into her life. And uh, she brings out this gift card, this gift box full of chocolates with a sorry card. Why does everyone keep assuming that this is from somebody who isn't Justin? So they're like, Jenny says, oh, um, it looks like your mum's giving you these to say sorry. You should, you know, you should forgive her. And Daisy's not impressed at all. And um, she gives her the chocolates back and says, I don't want these chocolates. Apology not accepted. She goes outside, Daisy does, and sees Justin. And he's like, did you like the chocolates? Oh, no, it was from you. Daisy goes back in the pub and tells Jenny and her mum about Justin. And she's like, this guy's a freak. I'm really worried. He knows where I work and he keeps sending me things, even though I've told him I'm not interested. And Christine was like, oh, who cares? It's just flowers and chocolates. What are you so worried about? And Daisy then tells Christina, I don't want to reconnect with you and I do not want you to come to the wedding. So on Thursday, Christina's all sad. She's going to leave Weatherfield. She's getting ready to go into a taxi and Daisy's going to work and she doesn't want to talk to her or say goodbye properly. She just flounces off. So Christina is really sad and she gives Daniel this box with a pendant inside, which is her mother's, that she wanted Daisy to wear at the wedding. And she's really sad that she hasn't managed to, to make it up with her daughter and she guesses she'll not be invited to the wedding now. So she's just going to leave the necklace and go. Um... Jack Daisy's in the Rovers, being a bit tetchy at work. Daniel comes in. He's a dick here. He's like, come for a a nice meal with me in the bistro later to cheer you up. And Daisy says, yes, you should go. I know, what a massive sneak. And then when when Daisy gets there, all nice and dressed up for a date with a boyfriend, Christina jumps out. And it was all just a ruse to get Christina and Daisy to have a lunch together. And Daniel's like, bye. I'm actually employed as a teacher, so I can't have lunch. See you later. (laughs) So, Daisy's not making this easy for Christina. She's trying to get her to explain her point of view, but Daisy's like, you can't buy me. And Christina brings the pendant out, and Daisy's like, well, maybe you can buy me a little. (laughs) Actually, no, I don't want this pendant. It means nothing. And you were a bad, you're a bad mum. And Christina says, yes, I was. It was my own fault. I didn't want to be a mum. I couldn't handle it. But you have had a good life, haven't you? So maybe it wasn't such a bad thing. And you shouldn't have wished for something that wouldn't have worked out. I do love you. I always have. And it looks like this works on Daisy because later on we see her back at number one. She's wearing the necklace and she's talking to Daniel and she says, things are getting better between me and my mum. She is going to come to the wedding, but we're not going to, you know, try to make up for lost time or anything. When the wedding's over, she's going back to Amsterdam. And then when Daniel's like, well, that worked out great for me goes off to make a cup of tea, Daisy looks at her phone and sees more of this this charming man, which we assume is Justin, leaving loads of comments on her post. So for finally, she deletes the comments and blocks him. Yeah, it took her, it took her long enough, didn't it, to find that block button? Yeah. Now, I... Now, is, is it him, though? <sighs> Has she got multiple stalkers? It would be weird if there were more than one, because that would just make the story complicated. <coughs> well, I, um, I don't know. I like. I, I just want to say I really liked um, Christina saying that she was a terrible mum. I did as well because it was just it was nice because like not not everyone is a brilliant mum and you don't no, know. not everyone's maternal and she, she's the fact that she's saying I still I still love you Daisy I'm just not not the best mum in the world and it's really sad and tragic and what a horrible situation um, to be in but at least Daisy did have a mum for a bit you know. Yeah. Jenny was her mum and they've obviously got a really good relationship and it must be really hard to be rejected like that by your mum 
But it's also difficult if you're a woman who has a baby and you're just not, you mm. just don't connect. Yeah. It happens. I'm, I'm sure there's been other stories like this before mm-hmm. with other characters who've who've turned up and said, yeah, I was a, I was a lousy, well, you know, I was Can a... Can I just say one thing that's quite interesting? Helicopter. I was a helicopter? Not a helicopter. <laughs> I can't. Sorry, I was a helicopter. <coughs> that's not the right word at all. One thing, Long okay. Long distance, mum, I don't know what I'm It saying. is really... I feel it's progressive to acknowledge the fact that women sometimes don't want to be mums and end up being mums. But can I just say we've never, uh, to my knowledge, I can't remember, had a time where a man's come and gone, yeah, I'm a really terrible dad and and I abandoned you. Well, wasn't Damon a bit like that? Yeah, but he... But we're not... There's no cultural expectation for a guy to be a good dad, though, is there? I don't know. Like, nobody was like going, wow, good for you, Damon. You're finally admitting it. No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess they have, you know, I know Tim was like that as well, but Tim was like, oh, mom, her mum wouldn't let me see her, mm. blah, blah. Mm, yeah, it's a bit different. Yeah, I, ju- I just thought it was very refreshing that they didn't want to make her a super mum. And, and the, 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 at the end of the meal, they didn't, it wasn't Christina saying, you know what, I'm going to make up for all this lost time and I'm going to be the best mum that I ever can yeah. be. And then that's the story. It just ended up kind of being, I wasn't the best yes, mum, I still love you. When It was a really sweet sure. scene. And when they like, she, they, they had took each other's hand at the dinner table and everything. It was just lovely and sweet, really. And I mean, maybe they will develop the relationship more. I'm hoping to see a lot more of her because she's she's awesome. I I I, I think they've really cast, cast. I can't remember what the actress is called now, but um, really cast an actress. She she's she's great. She I I've never seen her in anything before, but she was utterly believable yeah, she in was the role. Great, and she's, I loved her sparking off Jenny. They hate yeah. each other. It's great. Yeah, she was she's very kind of formidable. She's she's tough. She she stri- just strikes me as a you know proper in the mold of a proper Corrie strong ma- matriarch already. Fight, Absolutely can. So when yeah, so when it looked like she was going off again at the beginning of Thursday's episode, I was a little bit disappointed. But um, we'll see her. We'll see her again. I'm kind of hoping for more fireworks between her and Jenny. Although it looked like Jenny was ready to let bygones be bygones already by like well, Wednesday's she's won. episode. She's won so. the competition. She doesn't care what Christina thinks. Mm. I wonder whether there's going to be any kind of competition between who's going to be the official mum at the wedding or something. Oh, yeah, mother you of know, the bride. Yeah, who's, who's going to be the mother of the bride There will role. be arguments. I yeah. can't wait for that. I, I think it should be fun. I'm, I, I'm loving it. Um, One thing that's interesting, and you don't need a reason to post on social media, but... It makes me wonder whether some of the motivation that Daisy has, this craving for approval, is based on feeling abandoned as a child by her mum. Mm. Yeah, we learnt a little bit more about um, her backstory with Tom and everything last um, yeah. last week or whenever it was, didn't we? And, and all the people, everyone was loving her, but then she said it was just because they wanted a friend who had a, a dead brother and everything and then she got used to the attention there but it, yeah it's uh, yeah, all this backstory for Daisy there, it? there is there's nothing there that's making me think no, that that doesn't add up I, I think they're doing such a good job with this story and it was nice to have something that was a little bit lower stakes than everything else I mean sorry I'm you know stalking so is, think... is as you said an issue story well this is that. okay this was I found this quite um, interesting um, that that Christina and Jenny were so dismissive of this guy who's giving her attention, and this is I I think this is probably um, a very usual, common 
kind mm. of reaction. Like, why it's do you care? Yeah. You know, well, what, you're getting free stuff off someone. Oh, what, big whoop, what a terrible thing to mm. happen. Mm. And dismissing her concerns. But actually, it is incredibly sinister and strange. Mm. And he's been told to leave her alone and he won't. Yeah. I do wonder, I wonder, and I don't think this will happen, but whether Maria could get involved with this as well. Because she had that online stalker, didn't she? Like, a year or so it ago. It was a nice stalker, though. No, no, it wasn't a nice stalker. It was slightly different. But... I mean, obviously, Justin's not going to be a nice stalker and somebody giving you unwanted attention is not nice. But mm. there's definitely it's definitely a bit nicer to get chocolates than it is to get somebody calling you... <laughs> yeah, I was good. Or something, or something or other online, exactly. Anyway, keep keep up the good work with that on Coronation uh, Street. Are we, all, are we all agreed that <coughs> Justin is going to turn out to be an absolute psychopath who he's looking like he's on his way there, for sure. from... Are sending you a t- sorry chocolates to like here's your mum's head. In yeah, a box. He's obviously not going to say something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah you've been props, having problems with your mum. The props department's making a paper mache coffee of her head right now. <laughs> okay, um, so the Scylla Chinchilla Killer story. This kind of this this tickled me on Wednesday's episode. Um, I wasn't enjoying it so much on Monday because that was more about Fizz <laughs> kind of saying to Sally, oh, you know what? Oh, me and Tyrone, our sex lives are getting a bit boring and mechanical at the moment. And oh, to be, And I was like, oh, is this another storyline about that? Like we, we had to listen to Tim and Sally going on about their sex lives all of last year and maybe I'm just a massive prude about it and everything, but I don't need that again with Fizz and Tyrone. Well, it's not like, well, I am a prude, but I also don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. Um, but anyway, it kind About of your sex life. gets a little bit more comedic, I suppose, because Sally starts opening up and saying, look, maybe you should try a little bit of sexy role play in the bedroom. <laughs> and, and, and Fizz, totally true to character, I would say, the way that Fizz yeah. is now, finds this very uncomfortable. I wouldn't want... I mean, 20, 20 years ago, Fizz, she'd have been well up for right. this. Don't talk, yeah, she would have actually, you're correct. She's, she has definitely got a lot more... Um, reserved. Yeah, reserved exactly. There's nothing in, in wrong the last with that. Years. No, no. She'd have been she'd have been swinging from the lampshades for twenty years stripping ago. Stripping down to her uh, unders. Well, this this is the fizz that did the topless protest yeah. we've just seen recently on <laughs> ITV3. But yeah, she's a little bit of a character change since then. But anyway, Sally says, "Look, you can have a rummage in my dress-up box if no, you want." No, cleaned it. <laughs> oh, gross. Anyway, back at home. Is it PVC? Is it wipeable? Probably. Yeah, some of it at least. Oh, I have put it through the um, washing machine. Back at home, um, Fizz is asking Tyrone if he's happy with their sex life, and Tyrone's, you know, quite naturally clamming up at this. That's half the problem. And and she says, look, you know, maybe we could spice things up with a role play. And I loved it that Tyrone's immediate response to that is, even speaking to Sally Metcalf, who has clearly got a reputation around these parts as being, you know, having a bit of a very creative, uninhibited. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tyrone should have gone, what, lucky burglar? Yeah, lucky burglar, <laughs> exactly. Anyway, Evelyn comes in and they quickly kind of pull apart because they weren't talking about that near Gran. So later no. on, Fizz goes out for a bath and Evelyn tries to poke her nose into what she worked in on earlier and she tells Tyrone, you look yeah, like you're in a bit of a serious conversation there. You better not be... You know, thinking you better not be thinking about leaving for Getting another your she says whatever you do do not seek solace in the arms of another Romanian because oh, you're very very lucky racist typical <laughs> have you anyway. been watching Max's videos so this then leads into Wednesday's episode um, where we start off the episode by being told that Fizz is off to go and see um, human Scylla the now, chinchilla this no not no. the chinchilla human Scylla the human 
I thought this week was when they got the chinchilla. I completely forgot that they got the chinchilla last week. The chinchilla's um, already there. The chinchilla is there. This was the She's off out. to see humans, Scylla. Because I said to you, oh, here we go. She's off for her maternity leave. Yeah, yeah, you did, didn't you? But no, she's, no, she's not going anywhere. Yeah. Then she, she didn't need a maternity leave yet. Well, she goes off and, I and Tyrone's the, just ignoring I her. I thought that this was going to be a proper cliche, like, oh, somebody's going to come and, and, and have get Tyrone chatted up and then Evan's going to get the wrong end of the stick, which did happen, but what ended up it turned bit, into bit was, was just, just great. Anyway, this, this, the chinchilla lady who they bought Scylla from comes to get can her I, car sorted at the garage. Can I just say, I've uncovered a lie here because Tyrone said he got the chinchilla from a pet shop. I thought he did as well. And now he's got a no, chinchilla a broker. Hmm. I don't I don't trust him. Anyway, Evelyn is spying on him and then when the woman's gone, Chief strides up to Tyrone and accuses him of flirting with her and he's like, no, don't be stupid. He was just talking about Chinchilla stuff, I don't know. And um, so she goes and tells Roy that Tyrone's at it again. And I don't blame her for no. being suspicious. He's a dog. I agree with her. Keep an eye on him. Yeah, he does. He needs a proper keeper. He's got an eye a wandering, uh, wandering Dick Havisham. <laughs> and then they they see him all dressed up. He's got this swish suit on, getting into a car that I'm thinking. I think is that... he's uh, borrowed from somebody that doesn't know they've lent it to him. Yeah, it did look that way, didn't it? And he's <laughs> telling someone on the phone, "Oh, I'll be at the hotel in a minute." And I was, I d- heard that. somehow I didn't predict what was going to happen here. I was just happily thinking, la la la, Fizz is going to Birmingham <laughs> or Wolverhampton or wherever it is to go and see Scylla. And, and I no, was I like, didn't oh, see this what, coming what at is- all. You worked this out way before I did. Did I? Yes. I hadn't worked it out at this point, though. So Evelyn and Roy are having a stakeout at the Chariot Square bar later. You know, when Tyrone says, see you at the hotel, Evelyn's the, like, well, there's only one of those in the whole the of hotel, Weatherfield. Weatherfield. Yeah, Tyrone's there drinking a cocktail and even kind of smelling a rat. There's something not quite right here. Or and then this chiller. blonde comes in and sits next to him. He puts his hand on her knee. Oh, no. He's having an affair. <laughs> and, and it was at this moment. I was like, oh, it's Fizz. Of course. Because I'd forgotten about all the role-play talk on Monday's episode yeah, when I was too. watching this. And this is just brilliant. Um, Evelyn comes up to them and she's like, right, you, what you, what you been doing? Oh, it's Fizz. Fizz in this big old blonde wig playing, what, a character called Penelope or something. And they had their sexy roles all sorted out. And he it, was... Oh yeah, I wish I could Penelope remember what their jobs were. Yeah, I, I don't remember, but it was it was so. It, they were good. kind of really boring, weren't they? Yeah, but um, weren't I, they? I can't remember. I, I think so. I thought, yes, if I was in charge of Coronation Street, and and I will be one of these days. Don't worry, it's happening. I would have made this the return of Carol Monroe and Vincent Clare. Oh if God. they're the new Jack oh and Vera, God. they could have said. Oh, we don't need to go in Sally's dressing up box. We've just gone up to the attic and we found found this ginger weird? ginger perm and a big whatever it was red red slinky dress that but Vera come on. It's it's forty years ago this year that the classic Vince and Claire Carol Monroe incident took place and that would have been so funny. And they're always saying well not correlated. People are saying Jack and um, Fizz and Tyrone are the new Jack and Vera, and I think that would have been a really, really lovely tribute to one of Coronation Street's best scenes. And we know that that Alan Hulsall can do a brilliant Jack Duckworth impression, can't he? <laughs> I don't know how it would have, you know. Maybe he would have ha- he wouldn't have known who Vince and Claire was or used the word. No, but he, they they could have concocted a way. 
for him to have yeah. done that. And I just, I would have absolutely loved that. But alas, may, maybe there's still more to come for this storyline. I don't know. But anyway, Roy, throughout the whole of this, understandably, is looking like, I just want to get out of here. What the heck are you doing dressed up like this? This is so far out of his comfort zone. Like, he doesn't believe it. So Evelyn says, no, I want answers about this. It was that blonde at the garage earlier. And he's like, it was just the, just the chinchilla lady. It's fine. So they eventually are satisfied, Evelyn and Roy, and Roy, um, and, and they go back to the cafe and, oh, what a palaver that was and everything. And Evelyn's like, oh, I can't, can't really see why anyone would have the need for that kind of stuff. And then she's like, although, you know... Every now and then, I can't help feeling that I missed out in some way. <laughs> <laughs> and Roy's looking him back to looking uncomfortable again. And, uh, and Evelyn's like, just makes you think, that's all. So, so I thought that was great stuff. It was so, so good. Um, meanwhile, Fizz and Tyrone are agreeing that roleplay maybe isn't for them. But, you know, might as well make good use of that hotel room upstairs. So, it all kicks off on Thursday, with Fizz and Tyrone all loved up in the morning, until, of course, the girls come down with a shopping list of things that Scylla the Tinchilla needs. And um, she's got this, this lo- load of pets looking after stuff, and, and they say, look, no, we're not buying that for you, you can flip and well earn this money yourself. It's like a hundred quid's worth of yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 at least. And then later on, Fizz is saying, oh, were we, were we too harsh with Hope? Like, no, no. Steve Siren says, we, we need to be harsher on her, if anything else. And then just very handily, Kirk comes over and says, oh, can, can Peanut, their dog, come and stay at number nine while me and Beth go away or something like that? And Fizz says, oh, well, you know, maybe Hope might want to look after her for a fee. So that sounds like a good, um, good a deal fee. there. For a fee, yes. So Kirk goes around to number nine later and says, oh, Hope, I'll give you five pounds to look after Peanut. And Hope wants a tenner for it, which is quite funny. He's like, deal. Hope gets Scylla out of the cage as well. Well, he tries to introduce them to yeah, each other. Yes, and, and, and Peanut kind of growls nervously at, at this chinchilla. You know, he'd never been, never seen anything like this in his I life, though, say, so no wonder. I don't blame people for not having experience with pets, but my God, was this not obvious that this was going to happen? Everybody involved in this is serves to be eaten by a dog well hope doesn't understand does she exactly she's a child makes sense so she doesn't understand but there were like many adults around (laughs) later on the girls come downstairs the cage is open and Scylla's missing and then they have a little hunt around the lounge they go behind (laughs) the bar and hope's like oh thinks she's dead poor so this poor Scylla this pet who has been on the show for a week Week and a half, I can't remember exactly when they got her, yeah. is now copped it. And I, was, and I was thinking, oh no, she won't be. But literally, there's a dead chinchilla on the table. They had it hidden behind the fruit bowl, but they said... Set... I could see its dead tail. Yeah. And obviously, Hope blames <laughs> Peanut for this. Beth and Kurt come back over later. I just want to say, there was a hilarious, the best line of the week was when... Beth and Kurt get the text message when they're in the Rovers having their drink that Stephen bought them. And Beth says, we've got to go, there's been a murder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Beth says, look, I can't been Peanut that did this. There's not even a mark on her. And Evelyn says, well, clearly Peanut frightens poor Scylla to death. Oh, dear. Beth storms out of this accusation. And Kirk says, and this was one of my favourite ones of the week, sorry, guys, it's just hard when your daughter's accused of murder. <laughs> 
Although the episode ends and there's a little funeral for Scylla in Victoria Gardens. And um, Oh gosh, she did a whole poem. Yeah, she did. Hope did a poem. Yeah. Love you more than my sister. I know I, Love I, I it. think I'm gonna miss you or something. And the, it ends with Hope telling um she lays a carrot or something, doesn't she, on top of the grave and she says, um, you'll get your revenge. Which I thought was fab. I, I, this this storyline was definitely nothing that I knew was happening. So it all kind of yeah, felt fresh and interesting. All of the stuff of the role play, I didn't expect that coming. It was a load of fun. The since the cheer, ugh, can't say my words. The chinchilla, the chinchilla death scene. Didn't expect that. I thought this was gonna. I was gonna look. This is gonna be a long-term curry pet in my eyes. It's I'm like, sorry if a chinchilla. anybody who's listening is a chinchilla owner who finds this. This not, was tragic. It is. Yeah, but it's. It's yeah. so cute and fluffy. I mean, is this the shortest? term pet Coronation Street has ever had. It must be, you know, in the... Ra- I mean, I know that was um, when uh, Tracy got her Sylvester the Cat a few years ago. That didn't last longer than a week or two, uh, did it? But, yeah, I was I was sad about this. But um, what's this revenge going to be? Do you think, like, Hope is going to go and try and kill, kill Peanut. Peanut or something? Yeah. Is he gonna? Is she going to feed him chocolate or something? <gasps> no! I, I don't know. Or... At the time, I thought, oh, she's just saying you'll have your revenge as a kind of kooky hope thing to say. Yeah. But it feels like maybe that's where the story's going to go this next. It's going to get very twisted. Yeah. Is she going to try and set fire to his little no. doggy bed or something? I don't know. I just did a quick Google to find out if, if it's common for chinchillas to be scared to death. I know rabbits are very... Um, you can you can kill a rabbit by scaring it um, quite easily. And uh, I, I didn't find any conclusive... Um, oh, Information, what but, did you Google? Do chinchillas but, scare easily? Chinchilla frightened to death, I wrote. Oh. Um, but it got people also search for signs your chinchilla likes you, happy chinchilla behaviour, why does my chinchilla scream at night? Mm. <laughs> well, because there's a chinchilla killer to, on the list. I need to really. look this up to find out what the screaming is mm. about. The, the, the main problem that I had with this storyline, and it wasn't very much, to be honest, is I, I don't think the girls seemed particularly fussed. Like, Hope was saying she was sad, but she didn't feel that sad in the well, performance. And, yeah, but... You know, you can never get anything out of Ruby she's anyway. Like, she's a but psychopath. I, I think also it was a new pet. It wasn't like, I've had this chinchilla for years, it's like a sister to me. I think you would get quite invested in it. <coughs> I think if it's a new pet, it's something yeah, fun and cool. Yeah, you'd be already sad. Now, my she, question she is, why was the chinchilla lady involved in this storyline? Is there something sinister? Is she she's selling faulty chinchillas <laughs> faulty that chinchillas. die in a week and a half to get maybe, the money? Maybe. No, what are I, they going to do? Because um, it was suggested that Kirk and Beth pay for a new chinchilla. Mm. They're not going to pay. Those things are expensive. They're over £100. I know. Well, um, they've got the cage and everything now. That chin- must have cost a fortune. I think the chinchilla lady was just there to give something for Evelyn to be suspicious yeah. of when a blonde lady. I comes suspect next her. To. I think she's involved. Mm. Um, if I was, <coughs> if I wanted to secure my oh, future so as a chinchilla businesswoman, I would make sure that they didn't live very long. Yeah, it makes That's the easiest sense, way to, to sell more chinchillas, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, great stuff. <laughs> and uh, the Gemma and Michael story, Gemma. Okay, who would have thought? Uh, that Ch- that Chesney's lifelong dream was to be a burger man. On Monday, Gemma is so excited because everybody wants her to mind their children. I don't want to get into this gig. Uh, we've got loads of space. We can have a baby farm. But 
you don't really know what to do with children, do I'll you? I'll find it out as I go, just like all the parents Google do. it. Yeah, Google it. Chinchilla scream at night. No, I'll clear that search. How does baby live? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Gemma's all excited about this. She thinks she's going to be rich. And uh, Chesney's like, um, I'm worried you're taking too much on. Now, the real quandary of the week was what is Dev going to do with this £10 of beef? I'm not talking about his ripped bod. No, <laughs> he's found £10 of beef that's been opened at the kebab shop and it's going to go to waste. So Dev needs to know what to do with it. Chesney decides to take it off his hands and make a fancy burger with posh chips at tea time because he's always wanted to be a burger man. <laughs> he says, it's like, I can't... <laughs> so weird. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't write down exactly what he said, but it was basically along the lines of, I've always wanted to be Here's my a burger man. What's he going to do with the other nine... 1,500 grams of beef that he still has in his, in his fridge because that never got explained. And when all week it should have been uh, Gemma interviewing people for the for the babysitting gig going, how's your kid with raw beef? I've <laughs> got 10 pounds of it to, to get rid of. Anyway, on Wednesday, somebody's come round to check out the... Uh, her house. Yeah, she wants Gemma's to, house. To yeah, see. she wants to. It's somebody who wants to leave their kid with Gemma, isn't it? She's called Baby. India, according to oh, okay. the uh, synopsis notes. Somebody wants her to babysit her kids, and um, she's just saying, "Yeah, brilliant. All looks good. Great. Yeah. What's how's the Ofsted check?" And Michael's getting cold sweats. Oh, exactly. It was a year ago. A year ago today that Ofsted were in my school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, DBS. Uh, uh, have you got qualifications? And Gemma's like, "Oh." No, I don't actually. <laughs> She's um, like saying, "Oh well, they're in the post. They're I'm coming." And it's all but the, the woman is not insurance. And uh, Gemma says, "Yeah," d- uh, mm. and the woman India says, "I think I'll leave it." <laughs> <laughs> it's like me in a charity shop. I think I'll leave it. Thank you. Later on, Dev is telling Chesney that he should pursue his dreams, and Gemma comes in saying, "Oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to be a childminder." So I, I think Dev's got you know. A, a career, potential career in motivational speeches because this is a couple of times in the last uh, month that we've seen him. Remember yeah. his "Be a man, Chesney" speech. Only for Chesney, though. Yeah, he only cares about Chesney. <laughs> you can only motivate. <laughs> <laughs> he was because he has to live. He has to work with Chesney, and oh, he's God, like, "Come on, imagine? Chesney, bloody cheer up! Why I have to, I... I have to spend tw- ten hours a day with you, man. Smile for <laughs> heaven's sake." I want a life coach. I want Dev to be my life coach. Oh, Dev is a life coach. I need someone to help me. Mm. Help me. We saw him. We saw Jimmy on a catchphrase last weekend, didn't we? Didn't quite manage to get as far as George Taylor did. But um, yeah, he was a lot of fun. Yeah, he was brilliant. So on Thursday, um, Dev's... (laughs) Oh, God, I love this. Jimmy Arkishan had this like pot of sauce and he was uh, with his tongue, (laughs) tasting it like... Like, uh, you know, like how a budgie does, where, where a budgie, you know, their little funny tongues that they, they, they hold their beaks at and I, grab I, something and then they go with their funny little tongues. Not having ever owned a budgie regard, I can't Used to breed budgies in my family. Okay, so um, Dev's very impressed with this concoction that T- Chesney has prepared and he says, oh no, I think the plans are on hold for this burger empire. Uh, because um, I haven't told Gemma about it. And uh, Dev says, tell her no! <laughs> um, Gemma, when Michael comes around, decides that, that that is the time to tell him that she can't mind Gloria anymore. And obviously he's got no other option. 
and says, um, look, I'll, I'll leave her with you anyway. I don't care about the Ofsted and all that crap. I'll leave it to... I'll, you just look after her as a friend. You seem to be a perfectly normal human being. You're not... You haven't murdered anybody yet, have you? Um, I'll just give you the money and we won't say any more about it. And she says, can I have it now, please, the money? So she excitedly goes and tells Chesney, oh, I'm still being able to babysit Glory um, after all. And uh, he looks a bit down in the mouth, which is not unusual for Chesney. So I don't know why she picked up on it. What she wonders what's wrong. And he says, I took some of the money out of the wedding fund for my burger project. And she's completely incensed about this. Yeah, she she threatens him with some burger tongs, doesn't she? And then in the pub, Daniel's saying to Michael, do you know anybody who's good at babysitting? And he suggests Gemma. And Gemma's like, I don't have any qualifications. And he's like, look, I am I know you don't need to know anything because I'm a teacher. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you. You. why not give it to you? Everybody loves you. You're, you've got a good head on your shoulders, Gemma. You seem like a perfectly Widely pleasant human being. Renowned and sensible. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm sure you have many lessons measured. that my child could learn from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll give you a trial period. Yes. So we end the week with unregistered child minding business flourishing in Coronation Street. Mm. Um, who knows what will happen? I mean, if, even if she was registered, she wouldn't be able to look after Bertie. She would only be able to look after Glory. Because she's got too many other the kids. Numbers, yeah. Something's going to go wrong, isn't it? Is this a way that Coronation Street is just going to get rid of all of the kids on the street? Is, is going to be... leading to a mass colour of boring children, then I'm all for it. I but... think they just need to let Peanut on the loose. <laughs> Is, is that a whiff of blood and now it's going to go after all the children of Coronation Street? Like, what's get... happened? Alan's been frightened to death. I, yeah, I mean, when we were kids, you know, back in the 1920s, nobody had qualifications for Ofsted and all that crap. I don't know. No, of course they didn't. Oh, well. I, I'm, Times is different I'm now. obviously going to be taught a very harsh lesson by Coronation Street, <coughs> who, who's going, who are going to teach me about the issues of unlicensed childminding, but I don't really... Also, the other thing that I don't think Gemma's really realised is that she gets to keep all of uh, Michael's £45 a day if she doesn't be registered. But if she is registered, she's going to have to give like a third of that to the tax man. Very true. And I don't agree with paying tax <laughs> either. <laughs> no, that's not true. So... What do you think is going to happen? Obviously, oh, something know. terrible is going to something happen. Something comedic. Um, I don't think it's. I think it's going to be low stakes, terrible. Street, like Coron- she'll lose a child. You know, one of them's going to sneak out the back or something. Or I don't know. Is that they're not going to think- do anything? This is clearly the um, what the distraction from the real serious stories. Yeah, I know. But Coronation Street is going to have to do something along the lines of, oh, you can't do that. Because otherwise they'll be, you know, they'll be seen to be encouraging... Unregistered child-minding? What? <laughs> I just don't think the, it... I don't think it's well, a big inc- deal. That's incitement to, to, yeah. to mind children without qualifications. You can that? get ten years for that. I'm going to go to prison. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't oh, know. I just want to say one more go thing on about one the Max storyline that I think I said earlier about... Um, I, I'm struggling with the idea that you're responsible for other people's actions by producing content that, um, I'm open to it, but I'm struggling, I'm struggling with that 
concept that you can be responsible for other people's actions by what you say or produce as content. We, but, you just don't want to get in trouble if people start going after <laughs> Maria and Alia and say, Michael but, and Gemma says you're really boring characters and Blake should have stabbed you, so... But, as I said to you yesterday, which I just remembered, I think it's quite important to, to add, it's a bit... I'm, I'm having a contradictory opinion here because I also do think that Max was groomed and he has come to his opinion through his, his influence via... By Griff, so I obviously do uh, appreciate that people can influence you, but I'm just really my head is um, yeah, struggling know. with it. Yeah, and I think it's, it's good, okay it's to not always you. know exactly what you. I think the trouble with society now is that we're all encouraged to go. You think about what this is, have this opinion, and if you don't, you're wrong. Hmm. I think it's okay to sometimes. Yeah, I, I think they've they've made this a good, nicely debatable storyline. It is debatable. Hmm. Right, so what did you think of this week's coronation street? Um, was it banging? Well, if we go with my, my, my street talk shorts, it started off fairly bobbins. Yeah. No, we... no, last week we did it. Did we for yeah. a full week? Yeah, we did a full week last Gosh, week. Time this goes week by. for me went bobbins on Monday, banging on Wednesday, and bog standard on oh, Friday. Like so it kind of all like, averaged itself out. But it wasn't three out of five. I mean, looking back on it, the Stephen stuff wasn't. You know, I was just disappointed. But there was a lot to enjoy and a lot of fun stuff there as well. Um, the Max Streamism storyline, um, really, that was fab for me from about halfway through Wednesday. Daisy stuff I enjoyed. Loving, um, what's her face, mum. What's her name? Christina. Christina. The, the, the Fizz and Tyrone, the sexy, wig, kinky roleplay stuff. What a laugh. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, this is a good week. I am going to say... Um, that this week's Coronation Street deserves four nights scratching your unmentionables oh. on the sofa out of five. What about you? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a four. I um, also want to give a shout out to many, many actors this week. And I, don't, I can't really uh, single them out individually. But definitely Sarah Khan, who plays Alia, did a really, really fantastic job. She did. She was good. Paddy Beaver, again, as um, Max, was fantastic. Charlie um, Jordan. Charlie Jordan, yeah. I Always mean, good. As as Daisy. I think it was a really good, well-performed week. And obviously, always love Todd Boyce <laughs> as Stephen. I think I want to pop, pop him in my pocket. <coughs> I absolutely love him. I want him... Is he your character of the week, though? Yeah. Really? Well, you just gave me the idea to say he is. I still don't know who mine is at the moment. I'm, gonna give it I'm not going to give it to Daisy again, because she's always getting it. <laughs> I might. Um, I'm gonna give. I haven't. Have I said the score? Yeah, four, four. Oh no, I'm four. I'm gonna what, give though? it four rosewood reversible snuggle tunnels. And I can I just say how much I empathise with Hope here because when I was a kid, I had pets. I had um, some Russian hamsters that I absolutely adored, and I was so into the accoutrements and accessories. I used to look at Rotostack in the. You gotta have catalog. a good Rotostack if you got a, I used a small, to love going, small rodent in this country. I used to love going to the the pet shop and seeing all the little cool things. For anyone, that, does this still exist? I don't know, but it was just these little mini cages within, like they were like circular. plastic plastic cylinders with a lid. But then you could have tubes connecting yeah. it to a different How one, and this one's got it? a little maze in, and this one's a bit bigger. It's like an extendable. Um, series of interchangeable you could, Yeah, you could parts. connect it up however you want so, yeah. and, and with, with these little t- tunnels of tubes yeah. and everything. It's brilliant. It was amazing. I loved Rotostack. Yeah. It was, Can't put a chinchilla in it. The sad though. thing about it was that because I had Russian hamsters, they were a t- bit too small mm-hmm. because they were made for Syrian, you know, golden hamsters, yeah. which are bigger. 
and so they could fit in the tubes and my little Russian ones couldn't quite get oh, up it was a the bit, tubes. Yeah, my, my gerbils could never go up the tubes, but it was a bit like a space station, wasn't it? Yes. They used to have a special big um, uh, pot that you could fill up with sawdust just for gerbils. Yeah, yeah, I had that one. Did you? Yeah, bur- burrowing uh, one. Yeah. That was so... Oh. <laughs> They, 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 oh, Michael, should they we get knew a how to market that. Um, should we get a hamster? No, because oh. I need to decide my character of the week and I still haven't decided. So you're giving it to old um, Alanis Morissette, are you? Oh or, my uh, goodness. Joni Mitchell. Or, Char- uh, uh, that was, that was that Carla's was Carla. way of being horrible to him all week. But I mean, if somebody said to me, oh, you're just like Keanu Reeves, I'd say, thank you. <laughs> pray hands, pray hands. <laughs> um, my character of the week is going to be... I'm thinking probably Max. I don't want to give it to Alia for being a hero. Um, oh, Alia. I, I really loved, I really appreciated everybody in the Fizz and Tyrone storyline, but for um, for being able to deliver some very serious stuff well as well, I think it's going to be Max again for me this week. Very good job, Paddy. Yeah, good job. I would say another really great week in Coronation Street. I feel like it's picking up, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, everyone's, um, yeah, appreciate They do need to be careful with don't work. keep having these massive life or death situations because, you know, it's we're not even out of January or yet and people have already had miraculous survivings of incidents where maybe they should I, have been killed. You know, but, I, I said it before about last year. The lack, of, up, yeah. lack of consequences is going to kill the soap. You've mm. got to really make it feel important when something happens. Mm. And um, just being a bit sad about it doesn't cut it, mm. I'm afraid. Looking forward to next week. I... Don't think I know anything that's happening next week. I don't think I've seen any spoilers. I don't no. think I've looked at any pictures. No, I never know. I know. What's I know nothing. But um, yeah, this has left me excited to find out what. But mm. we must move on because it's... there is news. So let's go to the cabin. <laughs> Gemma. Yes. Would you like some news? No. Let's oh. move on. It's the cabin. We have got news. There's got three bits of news for you this week. Molly Gallagher's Dancing on Ice debut has been made, and um, she's done a good job. I think she came. Um, Third or second of the week? I don't remember writing this down, actually. But um, she's still in it. She was doing some um, skating around to Angel Eyes by ABBA, which is an ABBA song that I don't know. But she got 6.5, 6.5, 6.5, and 7. Excellent job, and, um, Molly. Yeah, she's done, well a, done. she's done a very good job. And very the, proud the, of you. So good, so good, so proud. But um, I was quite interested that, to hear that she's apparently still filming at Coronation Street while all this is oh going on. So we're not going to be seeing an exit storyline for, for Nina. Um, because she's somehow managing to juggle both of these at the same time. So um, fair play to her. I was reading a few little interviews and, and stuff that she did. And um, she said, oh, I love performing. This is completely out of my comfort zone. So it will be a bit different. But I've never performed live professionally. Coronation Street was my first job after all. I've not performed live since drama school. And I absolutely love it. I think with Dancing on Ice, I'm learning a new skill. But it is performing. And you can create these characters oh. and use your acting skills in that way. So That's I'm looking forward to the whole performance element the costumes the music sounds like she's having a lovely time good for her good luck Molly week one keep on going girl do yeah. team curry proud team curry for the win yeah and keep on and if you keep on doing it Monday one day you'll be getting your MBE like Helen Worth did this week has she been on Dancing on Ice she would have been Dancing <laughs> on Ice was a thing back on the 70s you wouldn't have been able to stop her Helen Worth has got her MBE she got it off Prince William services to drama very very tall Prince William towering over Helen Worth he stands, we saw pictures he was standing of this on week. a thing he gets to stand on a plop, block doesn't he <coughs> I'd, for, I'd forgotten that she'd even um, 
And her MBE. It was this well, this was, is about this, this time last year in... that Sally Devener got hers. Yeah, but this yeah this one was announced in the summer last year. So anyway, Here's so the quote. congrats. She says, "What's what's what's Prince William like, Helen?" Um, she says he was so lovely, so easy. He asked all the right questions. <laughs> For a future king of England, is easy. He was very complimentary. It just feels absolutely wonderful to collect an MBE. is very special, but to receive it in these this beautiful building and to be able to walk through it and look at all these pictures and tapestries. I love castles and houses and history. And so for me to come here today is just absolutely wonderful. To have had a job and one that I love and to be able to work in it is quite extraordinary. And then to get an award for it, it's just the icing on the cake. Congrats. What a lovely quote. Well done. Services to acting. All the other old school Corrie cast are just saying, when's my turn? Mike Lavelle's there saying, I'm waiting, waiting on the end of the phone. Oh, they should all get one like the NHS all got <coughs> George Medal or whatever they mm. got. Anyway. Anyway, I really love how um, excited and happy she was. That's uh, positive. We should all just be happy with what we yeah. do, shouldn't we? And, and speaking of happiness, Gemma, we have an announced title and synopsis of the next Coronation Street novel. This is the sixth one, written by Maggie Sullivan over the last, what, five, six, seven years or so. It's out May the 25th this year, and it seems to be tying in very nicely with things that are going on in the real world in May, because it's all about the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. But the the actual coronation is going to be on the 6th of May, so why are they bringing it out on the 25th of May? I don't know. No one's going to be over it by then. I think that... um, I'm not saying that this book was written... Just because Queen Elizabeth died, because I'm sure that Maggie's been working on it for quite a long time. But That's it's, true, yeah. It ties in quite nicely. Anyway, so it, what, what interests me about this is they have moved, they are fully, you know, past the war years now. We are in 1953 at this point. And I, it says on Amazon that this is book six of six, so I don't know whether there's <gasps> going to be any more. But it'd be interesting to see if they do just keep doing some books to go up to 1960. But the synopsis goes, it's 1953 and the nation's favourite street is preparing to celebrate Elizabeth II's coronation. Josie Grimshaw has moved to Coronation Street to live with her mother's old friend, Elsie Lappin. So Elsie <gasps> Lappin out. was She's the... She's the um, corner shop owner. Yeah, she, she was the person... Yeah, she um, flo- sells it to Florrie Lindley. Florrie Lindley yeah. in the first episode. Exactly. The street is excited for the upcoming coronation of the new Queen, Elizabeth. <laughs> Glad that they dropped that in just so we knew which one it's they were talking about. It's not an alternative about. reality. But Elsie is finding it hard to celebrate anything after the loss of her husband. Over at the Rover's return, Annie Walker is distracted from her uh, by her tearaway son, Billy, who has found himself expelled from school. And when Josie starts to help Elsie out at the family's grocer's store, it risks bringing a secret out into the open that she is desperate to keep. As the street swoons over the beautiful young queen and her handsome prince, played by Matt Smith, tensions simmer (laughs) beneath the surface. Can the street put their troubles behind them and make Coronation Day a celebration to remember? Well, yes. Probably. Because we invented Coronation Chicken. Yeah, I hope they have some of that in there. Well, that sounds I'm, fun. The most exciting thing I'm looking forward to is what new feeds are we going to have? Are we going to have something as good as Coronation Chicken? Is it going to be as good as Platinum Pudding? Oh, everyone forgot yeah. about that. I should yeah. have won that competition because mine mean, was way better than was way better. I didn't enjoy Platinum <sighs> Pudding. Anyway, that sounds a lot of fun. Um, I have to admit, I'm going to say it now, I didn't get all the way through the last one. The last Coronation Street book from Maggie Sullivan. Do they do audiobooks? I think they probably do. You should do the speaking because your voice is much less annoying now than it used uh, to be. Shut up. Um, 
No, I, I I enjoy. I really do like these books, but for some reason, I just stopped halfway through, and then something else came along, and I've never picked it up again. So maybe I need to try and work out where I got to and finish that off by the time May the twenty fifth comes around, because I'll definitely be getting a copy of this. Looking forward to it. Love Maggie Sullivan's Coronation Street books. Nice little bit of retro what charm. What a royal news um, corner we had. Queen of the Ice, Molly Gallagher. Yeah. Prince William, and then his old gran. Good old Prince William. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I really hope they do something exciting for the King's they coronation really later to. this so year excited. on Coronation Street. Well, they're going to have Daisy and Daniel get married on the Monday. No, it's not. I've been told this today. Who did I, you get told the spot Sally Ann Matthews oh. messaged me today and said, no, they didn't say it was on that date, actually. What, really? <laughs> yes, it was just May that was given in the programme. So it's not going to be on the same You're day. You're an idiot. I know. I'm, in, I'm, I'm um, quite often in the recent weeks, giving wrong information out on the podcast. Oh, so you can't really true. believe anything I say, but well, it feels like Correction it. Corner is becoming a bit of a regular feature of That's Conversation okay. Through. So sorry. For, thank you, Sal, for telling us. Thank you very much for telling us. Um, I wonder if it will be anywhere near it then. I don't know, I don't know. I really, really want them to do... They have to. It's Coronation Street. Yeah, I, I, I think they should, but I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. But It'll anyway. be really nice because I think that... Um, feels so weird to say the king didn't he say he wanted um to have some like <coughs> charitable events and yes. acts of service that yeah because there's going to be like a um, there's going to be a concert one day about the yeah. sunday maybe the coronation on the saturday and monday is supposed to be do stuff for charity i think that's a really nice thing and i wonder I, if coronation street could do you know what billy's like he loves doing <laughs> things like that i i think that they need to um really lean into the the celebration and the and the and the happiness and the charity and the pomp and ceremony and everything they, they don't not... need to have mega drama they don't no, need no, to have no. they're having a coronation street party on the street and Griff breaks out of prison and <laughs> blows her up they don't need any of that no. i want this to be like the 10,000th episode of coronation street just, just uh, yeah that yeah if they can do it one day a year please 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 go on coronation street give us the happy coronation not everybody episode everybody is happy about the coronation but um, we, it, it, I think if you're gonna complain about charity, I don't know. Just, just if you, if you, if you don't like it, just do the charity bit. That's fine. Oh, I hope they don't. Have, it's not going to be a, just a Maria and Alia episode. <laughs> mm. uh, get, get the flags out. Get the tables down the Where's street. Where's the bunting? Get the trifle bowls. will, won't they? Oh, I they're, they're want, going to have something big. So Coronation Street really, really should. Everyone have a big hug. Right, that is it for the news. Thank you very much, as always, Rebecca, for sending the news to us to read out and comment comment on. But now it's time to read some more stuff because it's the feedback section. Right, it is feedback time and it seems like people just want to test the limits of my vocal cords this week because we have got loads of feedback this week. I'm going to read a few of it, but um, Gemma, you can, you can start off with this first one. Oh, but we need to say the Facebook group store. 3.57 is what people rated last week's Coronation Streets were a fairly popular week. That included, from Michelle, three and a half books on how to talk to your kid if your dad's a serial killer out of five. Bronte gave it three and a half horny mechanics out of five. And I thought we didn't even talk about that scene last, last week where... Um, Abby was perving on her husband, Kevin, as his booty was bouncing up and down by the bonnet of the car. And uh, Judith um, was my pick of the week, who gave it four texts about work from God to Billy out of five. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, who voted on the poll this week. And this week's poll is already up. Yes. Now here is a message from Jake. 
He says, well, Stephen Reid, where do I start? It started off quite eerie and gripping with him killing Leo. That's what we were saying. Yes, it was very eerie. Then it got irritating and it still is every time Elaine shows up. Then it became ridiculous. But now it's just so far beyond ridiculous that it's funny. But I don't think Corey wants us to find it funny. I want to be clear, I'm not against dark storylines or serial killer storylines. I love to watch the villains like Pat Phelan, Richard Hillman and John Stape as they're often some of the most layered characters. But Stephen isn't. My problem is how the story is being told. To be an intriguing villain and to get the audience's attention, the story has to be integrated. The villain is central, but they're nothing without those around them. The Phelan storyline had so many strands and brought in so many characters and developed not just Pat Phelan, but many others. It had all of the Windasses involved in the Grimshaws and everything Phelan did had a ripple effect. The Calcutta Street scam affected a large chunk of the characters who were being ripped off. The inclusion of Seb allowed Phelan to meet Nicola and have that vulnerable side of him come out. Michael's death had a domino effect on Andy and then Luke. And all along, you never really wanted it to end. The Steven storyline doesn't even scratch the surface of that. It's so contained and silly and focuses on characters I don't care about, except Jenny. But we know they're not going to kill off Jenny as she's central to the whole street as landlady. And as for last week's episodes, I was starting to enjoy watching Teddy. I really liked it when he saved Steven from Elaine. Then it got me thinking, he's appeared sporadically for almost a year. They could have actually given him a character arc. And it would have given Neo more to do before his death and would have made the viewers care more about both of them making their deaths more impactful. These storylines are all about consequence and impact. Therefore, I think it would have been a much stronger exit for Jacob. For Jacob, who used to work in the factory, to walk in on Stephen attacking Teddy and had a Maxine Peacock-style murderous exit. Yeah. Stephen then could have framed Damon to get away with it and then got suspiciously close to the Barlows to try to compensate for what he'd done, like he's done with Jenny. But no, I'm guessing we're heading for more of a lane. I'm really sorry for... I feel really sorry for Ted Boyce. I actually enjoy watching him. He's a really good actor, but the storyline is just a mess, so I know why he's getting a lot of criticism. He plays Stephen as a really clumsy villain who's found himself in a mess and doesn't know how to get out of it, a bit like John Stape. And if the show were to promote him as that, and if we saw more of his vulnerability, I think people would buy it. I won't mention any spoilers, but in a recent interview, Ian McLeod said that Stephen reminded him of Richard Hillman. No, that's not a fair comparison for the material he's being given. To conclude, I think they have a... They have the tone, characterisation and consequence all wrong. And it's a trend throughout most of the recent storylines. From the extremism to summer. So contained, so plot heavy, but lacking so much characterisation and engagement. So to misquote Deidre Barlow, Ian, do something! <laughs> a few final points. Corey can do this because Daniel and Daisy's storyline is built on strong characters and chemistry. And any scene with Daisy and Glenda is gory gold. My favourite scene last week was Paul opening up to Todd about Cal and the lasting damage that was triggered by Mike's comment. It was very subtle and very well performed. There's definitely a spark there and I'm certain we'll see Todd and Paul get together. Opposites attract on Corey, they always have. And hopefully Summer will go to Oxford and take Billy with her <laughs> and maybe about a dozen other characters that will remain unnamed for now. P.S. Thank you to Gemma about the advice of washing between my toes. It's been very helpful. You're welcome. Okay, we all sorts of lifestyle tips. Yeah. Um, I, I, that was a very interesting perspective. That was that was great. I mean, I don't. Yeah, it's I, very reasoned. It, um, lots. I like it when people um, back up what their opinion is with you know lots of evidence and stuff well, because I, everybody can watch something. This, this is what I like about Corey is that we can all watch the same show and have a different opinion and still have reasons that make sense. I, I thought it was interesting what, what he you... said about you know does Coronation Street. Um, want us to laugh about it and that was kind of the feeling that I was thinking as well but like I said when when they had that that 
uh, roof box bobbing away on the canal is like surely surely that's supposed to be comedic. I mean I hope but, that if they didn't realise that, that we they can be guided mm-hmm. but um, the, the, the whole point about it being contained compared to the feeling storyline I hadn't really thought about that too much and it's it's true it really is it doesn't feel like there's very many people that have been sucked into Stephen's web of lies and he's not he's not got that same ripple effect that Pat Phelan yeah. did I mean the feeling story was just fantastic from start to finish in, in my opinion and it was a really really strong era of the show but yeah Stephen you know if he were to get caught not many people will be affected by that. Can I just say, um, a lot of the storylines could almost be taking place in completely different streets in totally different parts of Manchester. Yeah. I just don't think that they'd be able to fill a whole episode with Stephen, you know? I just want to say a week. that maybe this is a holdover from COVID. Maybe. Because I'm sure that they got into a groove of writing in a particular way to accommodate the changes that had to be made during the pandemic. Oh God, we're going to get flagged on Spotify. <laughs> um, I, 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 I wonder whether they've just not got back into the habit of mixing things up as much as they used to. Because you're right, it used to be a lot more of a tapestry. Yeah, the web just kind of spread and spread with feeling. And there were just all these, like, like, like um, Jake said, that the, the, when Nicola came in and then the Seb angle and the wind asses. And but there was only- so much, so many fingers the first only pies that Phelan had his fingers in the only thing I will say in defense of Coronation Street is that it's very early days for for um Stephen I know he's killed two people already which is quite an escalation but <laughs> he's only really been villainous since September and if you remember Pat as a villain he was in the show on and off for about five years mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and Stephen's only you know been a villain for six months I think you've made some people really groan by um, mentioning I'm, that the potential of the long-term potential for Stephen. I have to be in it for the long haul with mm. Stephen. I mean, it's spreading more into the factory now, isn't it? And this whole deal with Carla and that maybe will drag Peter into it as well, maybe. I don't know. But um, I, mean, I, I definitely get involved. a lot of what, what Jake's saying. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, thank you, Jake. <coughs> yeah, I really, I really enjoyed... No, I'll do it. It's fine. I really enjoyed reading that earlier this week, Jake. Thank you. Um, Rebecca has sent us her feedback on last week's Coronation Street. Well, we was right. Stephen killed his second victim, and even though it wasn't Elaine yet, I'm not surprised. It's that, not Elaine yet. Yeah, you're not that giving up on that. That woman's got her uh, target on yeah. her back. He killed Teddy as he was remembering things and had to be silenced. Even if you think Michael won't be framed, there must be a reason why Stephen gave him the hole punch, aka the murder weapon. I'm assuming now, though, things will go quiet for a while with Stephen maybe moving in on Jenny. I'm guessing things will come to a head at Daisy's and Daniel's wedding as Stephen will be there as Jenny's plus one. All good point. I'm also guessing the summer storyline will either be put on pause now or this part of the story has now come to an end. We didn't actually see any summer this week, did we? She had a, she had a little summer hot day. Well, she, she, she had the whole kidnapping incident last week um. and then she stayed quiet for a bit. <laughs> I love oh, how Summer, Summer acknowledged that she's been an idiot for this last 12 months because, um, well... Oh, yes. She had this <coughs> stupid gathering, like, to announce that she was going to university. Mm. Like, she was revealing the secret of, uh, I don't know, where the... 
Holy Secret, Grail Eternal, is Secret of Eternal Life, and Billy's like, oh, do you know that one? Um, anyway, she's 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 where are we? I love how Summer acknowledged that she's been an idiot for the last twelve months because, well, she has. And Summer's saying she's going to reapply to uni puts a nice bow on the whole situation. With who plays Esther acknowledging nice, but she has left. Oh, has she? Oh, okay, bye. What? The, the, the woman who plays Esther has acknowledged that she has left the show oh, now. I, I had no that. idea about that. I'm assuming Mike has also done so as well. Just please don't go back to the three dads coupling up as that's boring. I agree. And and that's where I disagreed as well slightly with Jake. I, I, didn't, I didn't find that stuff with Todd and Paul that interesting at all. Was it Todd? Yeah, I think so. Um, like Gemma, I still prefer them supporting Summer. Daisy's still playing with fire, but like Michael said, loved hearing more of her backstory. I also loved Glenda, Jenny and Daisy around the bar at the Rovers. Daisy shouldn't have really sent the tweets to Justin or Keith, but I suppose no harm was done really. I just hope she finds out who was sending the flowers before things get worse for Daisy. Oh, she did. Oh, and Daniel shouldn't have sent invites to her school friends. Maybe one of them turns up this week. Damon's fun as a big bad, but I also agree the drug story is getting a bit stale. Yeah, I think that was another thing that made this week oh more God. exciting for me. What? Yeah, just, re- because, just remembering. Because the drug storyline wasn't in it. Uh, yeah, it was nice, yeah. Um, I also worried about Leanne getting a head turn by Damon, especially when the truth about Harvey's money comes out, which you know it will do. Either Leanne or Carla, as there's too many scenes involving Carla and Damon for my liking. The chinchilla story mm. is harmless but fun. I loved Hope introducing herself as Hope Dobbs to put a line underneath the whole John Stape storyline. I did love Fizz saying John's favourite animal was a cat and then correcting herself as that's what I used to lie about. Finally, like Michael said, I don't mind Gemma being a childminder, although it's kind of beneath the lines of disbelief as you've all have to have all the paperwork and the red tape to jump through. I thought that was really interesting. I thought lots of people... Last week, when Gemma was going into this um, child minding, they were typing online, oh, what about D- uh, DBS? Oh, what about Ofsted? Oh, what about registering for this, that and the other? And Coronation Street, to be fair to them, have pointed out, yes, she doesn't have them. So that's, that's quite cool. Um, at least, Rebecca says, she isn't being annoying and is using her BSL skills for good use. Character of the week is Daisy, although Stephen was a close second, and I'll give the week four times seven the number of people Jenny (laughs) said to read a good fit into a mini out of five. Also, thank you for Gemma for giving us an insight into your MRI scan, and I hope you get the results from it soon. Still haven't had them. Have you not? I suppose you would have told me if you had. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we got a couple of people last week contacting you about MRI stuff, didn't they? Thank you, Rebecca. Your um, email um, has triggered me to to think... Uh Well, no, because triggering. We, you know, Jake was saying, "Oh, there's no ripple effect," and uh, Rebecca's talking about Damon and Carla. I'm wondering if Stephen might get involved with Damon because he's getting annoyed with Carla because Damon and Carla were getting weirdly close with one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it, she's obviously dating Peter. Hmm. There could, could definitely be some kind of possibility because, listen, Stephen's desperate for, <coughs> for money. And um, Damon is a drug dealer. You could definitely see him using yeah, yeah, Stephen yeah. or Stephen trying to get involved in it. I hadn't thought he... about that angle, but it's not, uh, not not beyond the realms of possibility. Interesting. Right, so we've got a message from Richard. He says, what a great week 
Corey Week, high drama, not so high drama, and comedy. The programme at its best for me. The radicalisation <laughs> storyline took another nasty development with Alia's stabbing and Max's arrest and being charged. Great acting all round in this storyline. Paddy Beaver has become one of the show's greats. I only hope the programme manages to keep him as I found his acting this week was excellent. We don't want to lose him as we did Millie Gibson. Also, great performance from Jack P. Shepard as we saw David try to process how indoctrinated Max had become. It was good to see a form of reconciliation between Daisy and her mum. I wonder if this could be the catalyst for Daniel's own mother, Denise, making a return, if only for the wedding. That was my prediction, Richard. Oh yeah, you did say that, I did say. (laughs) Uh, Richard says, good to see Ruby featuring again this week and thought it was great that she innocently put Fizz's on Fizz's dressing up wig. Oh yeah, I forgot that. She was, that was just the end of the scene, wasn't it? Don't like she's looking through touch the... your mum's grubby sex wig. No, oh, gross. Do you think they did it? No, I it? don't want to know if they did. Uh, and you know, if they want a replacement pet for Scylla, then why uh, why not just a wig? Yeah, shove a wig in a cage. And... <laughs> Richard said, I have a theory that Hope or Ruby might turn out to be Scylla's killer, as I don't think we were told how the pet died. No, I they think didn't there's... do a chinchilla autopsy, did they? They didn't, no. I think can't it's... be sure. Could have been could have been cancer. <laughs> it is the thing, like could have been a really old chinchilla. Cle- clearly the the finger It didn't of... look like a baby chinchilla, it looked like a fully grown. The the finger of blame is being pointed squarely at Peanut, and usually when something like this happens, you know It's never the first chinchillas all the time. Suspect. Yeah, it, it isn't. People get accused and it isn't always them, but I it could, it could have been... Well, here's the question. Could who, have been Ruby. Who opened the cage? Well, yeah, exactly. We haven't even... We didn't even talk about that one, did we? Nope. Peanut didn't open the cage. See, this is what you, this is what you miss out on if you skip the feedback section. Well, yeah, Ru- wasn't, wasn't Ruby getting a bit narked last week that she couldn't hold the chinchilla or something? Maybe Ruby did it. I wonder. Traitorous. Oh, thank you for putting that idea in our heads there, Richard. Richard says, finally, as some big mothers do have them comedy fan from the 1970s, I enjoyed Evelyn calling Kirk Frank Spencer. (laughs) Although BBC production, some mothers do have them, is available on ITVX. There we go. In summary, I love this week, and I haven't even mentioned Stephen, who bossed the early part of the week for me. (laughs) Oh, nice call out to some mothers do have them, Richard. My mum hated that show. She got so anxious because she said... She says that um, it, she hates seeing him wreck everything. I've never seen it. Oh, gosh. George has emailed us as well this week and says, I knew it. I knew Daisy's stalker would be the guy she met in the hospital when she had her <laughs> cancer scare. But the biggest scare here is how creepy he is. is I mean, he? how could he think that they had a connection as they first met whilst one of them was waiting to see if they were on borrowed time? Elsewhere, and oh my, how many lives does Alia have? I thought she was a person, not puss in boots. For me, there were two main problems. One, she wasn't. It wasn't that long ago since she got blown up. Yep. And two, Corrie's Twitter posted about the stabbing twenty-four hours before transmission, ruining the plotline. Did well, they? I don't know. I, I didn't see that. Did they say like, watch out if you've been stabbed because you might not like this episode? Maybe. Finally, what a Fizz and Tyrone playing out with all this silly role play, and especially in Jenny's condition. <laughs> and you know what? Given Tyrone's track record, I'm not surprised Evelyn thought he was playing away again. But did you see she had to drag poor Roy along? She's trying to get Roy interested. She's trying to say, <coughs> she's like, Roy, what do you reckon of this? I think you're right. Didn't work though, did it? Have we, we got Thank one, you, George. Yes, one more email and then we are done for the night and yeah. I can have me tea. Um, before we read this email, I just want to say to everybody who didn't wish me good luck for my marmalade making um, session, that it went fine actually. So <laughs> there you go. I've made 
five, six jams with yeah. my friend Charlie. We're going to enter some which were um, made from peaches from my allotment. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was sometimes in the room while you were doing that. And Michael hates we're... marmalade and he will not eat any of it. No. I was supporting you by watching Jimmy Harkishin on Catchphrase. You were, you were being very annoying, actually. Anyway, <laughs> let's not talk about that anymore, how annoying I am. Let's read Nancy's email. And this is you. Nancy says, I knew Teddy was going to regain his memory the second Stephen left Teddy at Roy's. As I watched the next scenes unfold, I thought, good, now go tell Jenny or the police. Why go straight away and confront Stephen? This was exciting, though, because Teddy was so angry he could have hurt Stephen before Stephen killed him. I thought it was hilarious that Abby, Kevin and Tim helped Stephen put the roof box on top of his car. If it was so heavy, how did Stephen put the body in the roof box? What? Yeah, and also, a lot of, <laughs> Nancy, you're right, but also a lot of people have said, how did he get the, the, off the car in the... Yeah, well, desperate times. If, I, if it had been me, strength. I know, I would have dragged it down and then it would have cracked or something and the body would have fallen out and I would have been like, oh, it's so bad. Well, maybe, yeah, like, it's surprised it's not made a big old scratch down Audrey's car. Um, she says, what topped this off was Audrey taking a car and driving it to the Peak District. I think Rita is going to play a role in catching Stephen, especially if he ends up with Jenny. Could Carla be framed for this murder? This is a job for Spider. <laughs> Do you think so? No. Um, I had hoped that Summer would attack Mike and run out of there. I'm not surprised that Esther broke up with Mike. Esther just wanted her own baby. It's interesting that in the end, Summer decided to try to go to uni. What she learned? <laughs> she learned anything. Oh. Oh. Imagine her at the end. She got to go through the interview, the interview process yeah. again, and like, so tell us what you. I see you've had a gap year this year since you finished your own you, levels. What have you been go? up to? Did you go to like Costa Rica? I've been or... to hell and back. <laughs> kidnapped okay right yeah we have and that's just the start we have actually got a tick box for that brilliant yeah you can come in how many, how many times have you collapsed this year do a little tally chart oh wow this is a very good case oh, you've got very here promising very promising did you say you were an orphan excellent <laughs> and diabetes how many gay dads have you got three <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have fun with you miss spellman <laughs> Uh, Nancy says I love the scenes in the Rovers with Glenda Daisy and Jenny I was amazed that the DJ did not talk about suing Daisy <laughs> I hope Daisy finds her stalker before her wedding day well she has all this time I thought Nick was a good businessman it turns out he is no better than Sarah <laughs> What an indictment. <laughs> He's in so deep with Damon. The only way out would be if he went to the police so Spider could work undercover. Oh my God, can you imagine Spider working undercover in the mm. restaurant? I mean... I'm not, I can I'm, actually. <coughs> that would be quite an interesting way to use his character. Nick and Sarah Louise do both have um, Brian's um, DNA, don't they? And I don't think he was... I mean, he had his garage, I suppose. But yeah, he, he was more about the brawn than the brains. Uh, she says, I love the John's tape storyline. Hope was given the chance to talk about John and now how she feels. The pet chinchilla being named after Scylla is hilarious. It also gave us a chance to see some underworld banter. Is Fizz still working for Gary? Maybe. I don't know. You're right. Good question. I thought he sacked her. I don't know. It was nice to see Izzy. I love the Schmeichel mention. Would Gemma have an incident being a childminder? Both of us probably will, yes. I give this week's episode three and a half deaths by a hole punch out of five. The character this week is Stephen. I loved how surprised Stephen looked when he saw Audrey had taken the car. <laughs> and that's the end. That is the end. Apart from, I was thinking the other day. Look, thank um, you, Nancy. They, thank they, you, Rebecca. Thank you very thank much. You Jake. Thank you, Richard. I was surprised that they thank didn't 
make any more out of Scylla the chinchilla dying and having people saying, oh no, Scylla's dead, but making them think it's oh, like... Oh, just like Big Brother. Yeah, and then that made me think, because that was all about David Guest, wasn't it? David Guest, David's dead. When David the dog dies on Coronation Street, if yes. they don't have people going, oh no, David's dead. And then Gail going, oh my gosh, David's dead. Oh, oh Coronation and literally, Street. Literally, literally, it'd be just the same as David Guest's pretend death on Big Brother with the same name and everything. If they don't oh, parody please, that for when please. David the dog dies, please. sorry, missed opportunity there. Write this down, yeah. everybody. Listen, if, you're, if you've made it this far, you're a dedicated fan. That's like... That's like one of the most iconic celebrity Big Brother moments ever, isn't it's it? It's almost as good as... You don't know what we're talking about. milk out of a bowl. I don't want to talk about it now because my voice is nearly gone again and it was almost fine. getting better today. It's fine. Okay, you can But I've done it now. for you, my dear listeners. Please write to Coronation Street and say, listen to the podcast at 2.45. Because we've got a good idea. And uh, just write, just, yeah... We want that to happen. It needs to happen. Mm. If it doesn't, it's a travesty of justice. Although the fact that they've just recast David the dog means he's probably still got a good few years left. Do you in think him. that? Do you think that Gail's replaced David the dog because the old one died? Like she thinks it's a budgie or something, and David <laughs> hasn't noticed because he's so wrapped up in himself and he's, his son. He's back to what Max is doing. Yeah. Okay. Right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, really appreciate you. Also, thank you for your Patreon support and your YouTube. Please, 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 if you want, if you can, go to our YouTube channel and watch a few of our videos because it's monetized. We could do money for it, yeah. And if you appreciate the fact that we don't do adverts on the show, it'd be really nice if you could support us by doing that. Yeah, it really does but, help. And and the, the we the, get the, money. The I can't believe we get money for it. We get like fifty cents a day. This is amazing. Yeah, but we haven't seen any of it yet because we've got to get ten dollars first, don't we? <laughs> I'm so are, excited. Please watch the shorts because they're our new thing. And I love them and I love yes. doing them. And, and thank you really everybody exciting. who's watched them. Yeah. Um, thank you for your support, everybody. We really love you. Yes. And um, please email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. You can find us at conversationstreet.podbean.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes. And also you can score us on Spotify and Amazon. You can do all sorts. Um, so we'll be back next week with a bonus podcast. I don't know what next week's bonus podcast was going to be. I had an idea. I've now had to change it. But if you are a Patreon member at um, Bistro Tier or above, we will be releasing our January Patreon episode very, very soon because we've only got a few days left. And I was kind of putting it off to see, am I going to have a voice? And I don't think I am. No. So I'm going to be croaking my way through our top listen, five. Oh, no, I'm not going to say what it is. No, you top five. And see. If, you like, if you like listening to the show and you want more, I mm. can't believe that you'd want more, but we've got our Patreon and uh, you, you can support us there and it really, really helps us. And we're on Facebook and stuff I think that's mm. it is it that, that is it I need to rest <laughs> I need to rest my voice we haven't literally. had dinner yet and it's half past ten I haven't had dinner I've spoken for the last three hours I'm going to regret it that's okay because I don't need you to talk this weekend I'm going to start right we're going to have belated Burns Night on Sunday with my parents yes and, we uh, are we're going to have haggis bonbons so what? that's something to look forward to haggis isn't... bonbons yeah I could have just bought it from MNS. Oh, MNS. Um, right, yes. Of <laughs> Middle you class. Did. Thank you, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. Oh, what advice can I give everybody? Make sure, I know I said to wash between your toes, but apparently, I don't want to be um, sexist here, but some men need to be told you've got to wa- wash your bum. You do, what? you have to wash your bum. 
You he, do. That is very important. You do. My advice. Don't do it the last thing though. Don't do it first and then use the sponge everywhere else because you get. But don't use a sponge in the shower. What are you talking about? Well, you hands are good enough. I use a puff. <laughs> I my advice for the week is. <laughs> If you lose your voice... Don't do a podcast. Don't do a podcast for three hours on a Friday night. And then uh, having done another one for a couple, for an hour or so on Tuesday night with a Patreon podcast to come and also do a job where there's lots of talking involved. It's not very good. Just stay at home and have honey and lemon. So that's my advice. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Very much... Merry Christmas. Very, very sorry for all the coughing, for the spluttering my horrible voice this evening but now I am absolutely definitely 100% going to shut up the music for this episode came from podcastteams.com goodbye goodbye